All right, I think we're live. Welcome to the Knife Journal Podcast, episode 103. My name is First Kyle live video edition. Yeah, this is it. And this is what people have been asking for, so we can show you all of our uh, um, good stuff, you know. Um, as we're looking at stuff, we can show it to you. You know, if we are reading an article or whatever, I can show that as well. Um, so if you're still listening on the uh, iTunes, um, you can easily, easily, easily find a uh, link to the Average Iowa Guy live streams channel. And uh, whenever we do a uh, podcast, we're going to try to do it in this format. And that way, um, we will, uh, you know, keep everybody happy. So what's new with you? Well, got a new paint job on my bike, so I'm pretty geeked about that. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if I got a, if I can show a picture of that. I suppose I could. Yeah, if you've got um, it. Yeah, <laughs> that's where the prep comes into into play, huh? Um, Are you there? Yeah. I I got a. Yeah, you hear me? Yeah, your your internet is screwy, but um, hopefully it'll settle down a little bit. You might just um, not broadcast. Turn your camera off, and that would probably make your audio better. Well, you don't want people looking at me. Well, no, I want you people looking at you, but I also want the audio audio quality to be up to snuff. Okay, hang on a second. How's that? Is that better? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, I got to look for something here for a second. I'm going to help you. Boom. There. <laughs> so now oh, your you audio is going to get a lot better. <laughs> oh, you shot me off? Yeah. Okay. Um, while he's doing that, um, today we're we're planning on having uh, Patrick Ma of Prometheus Design Works on, and most of our um, long-term listeners have heard us talk about him. I've actually never met the guy or said one word to him, so um, I'm actually fairly excited to meet him because I bought some of his stuff, and uh, I bought both uh, Prometheus Design Works stuff, specifically um, this uh, folder, which um, Pretty neat. And I bought a bunch of stuff uh, from Tad Gear when he was working there. So uh, when, when he owned it. Well, right. You know. Um, Patrick and I go back probably almost 20 years. Mm -hmm. He was literally one of the first advertisers on Night Forums in the day. Mm -hmm. uh, I think when he when he started out Tad Gear and and uh, um, he had uh, kind of a funny um, okay I got this picture I want to share it he um, I think he said he started out on the kitchen table it's cool so uh, Okay, so you took away my ability to do shit all. I can't do nothing now. I can't share I'll nothing. Turn your, I'll turn your camera back on. 
maybe that's what the issue was. There you go. So hopefully you can share it now. There, yeah. Yeah. So that's the that's the paint job that uh, um, this local fella did on my on my bike. Um, that's a, uh, a 1907 Triumph logo. Uh, went back when they made cars, bicycles, and motorcycles. And uh, it's from they had that logo for uh, seven years from 1907 to 1914 or 1914. And then they changed it to something else that wasn't as as nice looking. But um, so that's new. Um, been been doing a fair amount of riding. That's kind of fun. Um, but back to the uh, uh, back to the tad gear uh, thing. We uh, back back when it was Patrick started that, and he was doing all kinds of really cool stuff. And and um, uh, Ron, they separated, and he went with uh, with started Prometheus Design Works. But he he can go into that and and uh, uh, share that stuff. But he's got uh, he's got a real unique market. Um, very high end uh cool guy stuff that's uh um you know has specially made limited runs of stuff um mm -hmm. does knives compasses that kind of you know all kinds of cool guy stuff but like i said so we got we got that going on and uh we can have that conversation as soon as he uh he comes and joins us um but besides that you know we're just enjoying summer and and uh having a good time and staying out of trouble and, and I don't know if I can add this this is this is his email address right here add um, him to the yeah you can you can try that see if that works that's his that's his email address right there in the chat thing um so I don't know how do you how do you add a how do you add a call let me do it. Uh, I ca I got it here. Let's see. There we are. Does he need that? Mm -hmm. What's that? I sent an invite to him. Okay. Yeah. So um. So besides that, you know, we're just enjoying summer. We've got. We've had a you know not an exceptionally hot summer up here. It's been kind of beautiful. Uh, we've had a, enough rain. Um, you know, just been trying to keep up with the grass. But how's the how's the know, bugs? Northern, summertime in northern Michigan. What's that? How's the bugs? Uh, ticks, man. Ticks are thick. Uh, I don't know if you have many out on the peninsula, but we've got a ton of them up here. Now that's been a that's been a big deal um, lately. Is uh. The whole tick population has been yeah. uh, just crazy, crazy, crazy. More ticks. I've, I, you know, I've not seen so many ticks on me um, any other year. I mean, hmm. I, I kind of wish that we could use a, um, you know, I give that uh, my dog a pill and he doesn't get any ticks or mosquito bites. Oh, I wish and I had I, that. And I'm thinking, yeah, why the hell don't we have something like that? Maybe maybe it causes liver damage or something. I don't know. 
I got something to show the stream here. I'll be All back right. in like two seconds, but I can I can keep talking because I've got a wireless headset here. Oh, well, that's kind of cool. Yeah, no kidding. I got it for nerd stuff. Um, but anyway, this is this is amazing. All right, here's the solution to all of your bug problems, people. People. There you go. <laughs> so, so <laughs> I was actually looking at those last year. Yeah. So what this is is you uh, you um, load it up with like table salt, and it'll blast these bugs and stuff. So there's all kinds of guys that have made videos of these things. I haven't I haven't tried mine yet. We were thinking about doing it this weekend. Uh, <laughs> After we're done recording, I'm supposed to go to the beach, and so I may bring it. It's uh, this uh, friend of mine. He's got a, a family cabin up on East Bay, just a little ways from us, and we'll go up there, and maybe I'll bring this along. Okay, so here's my solution. What's that? DDT? <laughs> For bugs. Can you see that? Yeah. <laughs> But uh, anyway, I got a new uh, new knife. This is actually kind of an oddity. This is a uh, Buck 110 Auto. Yeah, with Auto um, Kit. Yep. So check it out. Yeah, um, very cool. Yeah, I I never 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 knew they even existed. Um, but uh, it's pretty cool. I, you know, I'm a longtime fan and carrier of the uh, Buck 110, and I don't know. They made an auto. They made a kit that you could turn them auto. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Well, hmm. I don't think Buck ever made that as an auto. I think that's all done uh, through kits afterwards, aftermarket. My knife makers were turning those into, into automatics. Cool. That, that sure. takes some doing to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, and guess what else? What's Notice that? anything special about where the button is here? It's on the opposite side. Left-handed. Yeah. Uh, yep, that's so, cool. I, I'm going to find, uh, since we're still waiting on our friend, I'm going to find uh, a knife news article that people have been sending me like crazy. Um, and I'll share it here and we can tell people about this. This is kind of cool. Well, we now have uh, yep. automatics now. Yep, and that's what I'm going to do. So I'm going uh, yeah, to share... Signed. I'm going to share the uh, thing, and we can talk about it. Uh, this is kind of cool. Green share. Uh, so there it is. So it should be coming up. Now, um, I'll talk about it here. So the uh, the, the article is from uh, Detroit News. Switch Switchblade switcheroo. Blades now legal. Um, so our governor, Rick Snyder, signed into law legislation that lifts the ban on our switchblades. Uh, it was introduced in, I guess, in March, and now we can carry uh, spring-assisted knives. Yep, yep. Well, it was getting, <clears throat> it was kind of ridiculous that it was, uh, that the law was put into effect anyways. Um, it was pretty much, uh, the result of a movie called uh, Wild Bunch. Yeah, the wild, the wild bunch. So actually, you this you'll like this. That have you seen that movie? It's got oh, yeah. uh, Lee Marvin and uh, um, Marlon Brando, 
And I think uh, the good guys rode um, Triumphs. Yep. The wild well, I think one of the, is. Yeah. Um, let me find a picture. I'll share it for everybody. I think the, the good guys actually rode a Triumph. If mm -hmm. I yeah, there. So here's, I'm going to share a picture real quick. Um, so people can see. Uh, so there, there he is, uh, Marlon Brando on a, on a Triumph. And then the bad guy, I think was, uh, Lee Marvin. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think Lee Marvin rode a Harley. Then there's a lady. I don't remember her. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen the movie. Um, let me see if I can find it. If I, uh, Lee Marvin, he's one of my favorite actors. He's really good. You know, he was in, uh, he was in combat and stuff, I think. That's, Wasn't he in world yeah. war two? He, he was, yep. uh, he was like the real deal. Yep. And then I think he was like a technical advisor for a while on, uh, movies. And then they said, well, you know, this guy's like not terrible looking or whatever. Maybe we should, uh, Maybe we should let him in the movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that was a uh, that was the movie that that started the whole switchblade craze. Everybody mm -hmm. became fearful of the automatic knife. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> that was the start. I think that was actually the start of feelings ruling the roost. Yep. You know the feeling of fear. Well, kind of I. I think we've always kind of been that way. If you look back in American history, you can see uh, uh, big, um, you know, like the the whole marijuana law thing, um, mm -hmm. which I, I don't, I'm not going to weigh in on that politically, but if you look back at the history of that, um, that was banned uh, because of like a lot of like scaremongering articles. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know what? I mean, <clears throat> I have a hard time not believing um this isn't a real popular view uh, i'm not against uh um medicinal use of it i guess there's some some serious useful um uh part of the drug that, that is helpful to people with glaucoma and some other things but i gotta tell you most stoners are pretty stupid I mean, okay. there, there is a, there is a. Everybody, that's James saying yeah. that. <laughs> I remember. I'm not you, and, I, and, listen, and listen, I don't give a shit. I'll, I'll say that to some stoner's face, and and I'll say, you know what, dude, you've lost like probably twenty or thirty IQ points because you're a pot smoker. Believe it or not, I find it hard to believe that it's not true any more than alcohol. Any more than alcohol, and I'm gonna I'll put this in context. If you're having a drink, one drink, you're not gonna be killing your brain cells. If you drink to a drunken stupor, you're gonna be killing your brain cells. Okay, so we'll put that in. If you smoke pot, you don't smoke pot because it smells good. You smoke pot to get high. You smoke pot to get into that drunken stupor stage of, of what marijuana does to you. And at that point in time is when it starts killing brain cells. 
that's the way I feel. And and I just came off a weekend of uh, what's called Bliss Fest, where oh, there's isn't that ten thousand. You guys do the porta potties for it and stuff. Yeah, yeah, my sister yeah. does those. And so so here, what you do is you you wander around, um, and you take a look at people and you have discussions with people, and they're all you know probably. I'd say probably seven of them are pot smokers, and their IQ is, shows it. Well, I don't know whether I, you I agree with me or not. Uh, I, I do. I do believe that, and I do believe that there's probably scientific evidence that pro shows that. Probably just as much scientific evidence that shows that it helps people with s certain disorders. Doesn't mean it's a good thing for everybody. Yeah, well, you know, I'm not going to weigh in on that because it's hot bush button and I really don't give a shit <laughs> if somebody wants to kill well, their green cells or have the other, have whatever the hell yeah, they want to do as long as they don't make me pay for it, you know. Um, but I suppose I do end up paying for it indirectly anyway through increased... Well, yeah, that's, and that's the problem. And that's the problem. You know, you end up with a, a stupid society. I mean, is well, that really what we anyway, want? How about... Uh, how about we move to some knife-related We're skipping content. around here for some reason. Well, it's your, your video feed isn't the best. I'm just going to turn your camera off for a little bit, and I'll turn it back on if you want to share something. Um, that way, uh, you'll have uh, good audio. You got me now? How's that? Yep. Okay. All right. So, um, anyway, uh, knife... So, hey, just... On a, on a quick question, can I, uh, of this call, and change my internet and then log back in? Sure, I think without so. Without interfering yeah, just, with anything? Yeah, I'll just, uh, I'll just uh, entertain the, the people with a knife-related article while you do so. All right. Why don't I try doing that? Why don't I try doing that? Okay, so I will find us a knife in the news. Okay, so... Um, let me let me share with you guys the extensive research um, that we do to get ready for the show. So, so I go to Google and I type knives, and I do news, and there you go. So it looks like uh, Texas will soon allow open carry of knives and swords. I didn't know that they didn't allow that. Um, I thought if you had like a belt knife on, as long as I didn't know that was a big deal, but I could see where maybe they would say swords are not the greatest thing to open carry around. Let's see. Oh, here we go. Uh, Panoma man breaks into apartment, throws vacuum knives at police. Is this from Florida? No, it's uh, Southern California. All right. So I'm gonna I'm just gonna mute this tab in case they try to have uh, some uh, loud ads. Anyway, it says uh, Panoma, California. A man was taken into custody after police said he broke into a Pomona apartment, destroying its furnishings, and then threw various items, including a vacuum cleaner and knives, at the responding officers. Uh, he's throwing knives. He's probably lucky he didn't get shot be my guess, at least in the United States. Um, he was, 
Responding officers said the man, who they described as highly agitated and violent, was holed up inside a ground floor apartment unit. All other apartment occupants had escaped by that time. Um, so they give the suspect's name. I won't. I don't need to necessarily read that to you. How's that? Is that any better? Uh, let me look. Um, I will stop sharing this in just a second. Um, anyway, he's likely to face charges with a deadly weapon, vandalism, and burglary. So there's a knife in the news. That's uh, exciting. Yeah, actually, your 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 camera and everything is way better now. Yeah. So this is um, so you guys are seeing a lot of stuff that actually ends up getting edited out when we put the uh, when we <laughs> put the podcast up, um, you know, online and what have you. But let's see. Jeff Venture says hello, Jim and Kyle. Well, hi to you as well. And. Uh, PDFFTMFW says he designs stuff for guys that are guys. Yeah, and I'd, I'd agree with that. So uh, I'm going to say hi, guys. And, uh, well, um, what else do you want to talk about? Is our guy coming? Can't hear you. Are you talking? Uh-oh. Uh, hey, 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 hey. We can't hear you. Say something. <laughs> okay, so that's that's uh, live uh, live stuff. We we can't hear you. Um. Anyway, that's. So a lot of this stuff happens when we do an actual podcast and and you guys just don't see it because I edit it all out. Um, let's see. Let me find um, let me find a cool um, knife I was looking at. So I've been getting into these uh, coffin handle bowies. Um, kind of neat. I'm going to show some images of him while he's fixing his uh, stuff there. Um, let's see. So if if you guys uh, don't know what a coffin handle bowie is, this is it. Um, the handle is shaped um, like a coffin uh, or, you know, the idea of it. And I think this was a knife design uh, that was real popular in around the Civil War times. And then, of course, obviously, guys still still are making them. These are some custom makers that are making them modern day. Uh, and I think even, I think Bark River may have made one as well. Um, let me see if, uh, let me see if I can find it. Is that any now better? We, yeah, now we can hear you. Okay. Yeah, so this is, um, this is Bark River's uh, coffin handle bowie. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. When did when did they make those? Uh actually, I think he's made them several different times. Uh, mm -hmm. This is the most. I think this is the most recent one he did. Nineteen oh nine Michigan Bowie. Mm -hmm. um, what? Why is made it, uh, them, Michigan? He made them way back. Um, okay. Well, it's sort of like the Trailmaster, Trailmaker. Okay. Whatever the one that Marble Webster Marble designed. Did Marble have a coffin handle on it? Mm. -mm. Marble. No, marbles made it. It was stacked leather. 
Let me find it. Barbara's yeah, okay. So so here's the here's the Bark River. No, that's the Marbles version. Yep. You find an older one. This isn't this is an older one. Yep. Yeah, so I can definitely see where the design influence came from, but um, right. Mike's Mike's got a uh, a longer uh, swedge on his. Right, and he made he made one that was a while back, um, a coffin handle. Uh, uh, I think he called it a Natchez Bowie, as I recall. I can find it. Yeah, um, here it is. You see it? Yeah, Rogue Bowie, Rogue Rogue Bowie. Yep. Okay. Yep, that was. And that, I that's think based that was on the, the Natchez pattern. Yeah, Is that right. I think that was his first. Uh, I think that was his first coffin handle Bowie. That's pretty cool. Yep, oh, he did a nice job with that. I wouldn't mind having one of those. Let's see. Here's something from Blade Forums, Old West reproduction. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty cool. They mm-hmm. did a good job on that. Um. And then he did one, looks like he did one without the, uh, like the Natchez Bowie blade shape, but with a different handle on it. Right. Canadian Camp Bowie. Yeah. I wonder if Randall, Randall um, does anything like that. Randall made a, let me think now. Uh, I don't think they ever made a coffin Bowie, coffin handle Bowie, <laughs> that I can recall. All right. Um, I can recall. They they did a dagger. Did mm-hmm. you see their new the guardian model? Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. That's, That's old. They asked to make. Um, let me see uh, their non-catalog models. Let's see what they got on here. I've always liked the looks of uh, of this one, this copper companion. Mm-hmm. With the with the antler on there, I wonder how they're securing that antler. If they have like a little um, pommel thing on the back, or how that's done. They used to um, they used to pin them, mm-hmm. but I think they're just using epoxy now. Okay. I think they're just using epoxy now. Hmm. So Jeff Venture says he uh, sold a bunch of Swiss Army knives. They hold their value really well. Uh, what's <laughs> a knife? What's a knife line that you have seen uh, hold its value? Um, Randall, obviously. Well, yeah, but I mean that's those always. Rand- they, Randall, they, they, at one time, and you can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. But at one time, you could buy um, when there was like a three-year wait for a Randall. Mm-hmm. You could order dozens of randalls and put twenty dollars down mm-hmm. and you could probably make a hundred dollars on every one of those knives as they came yeah as they were as they were being built well ag russell does that mm-hmm. um so you can you can go and buy here's a gambler this is kind of cool i like that um they, yeah, that's kind of bumping up handle. Yeah, bumping up into the coffin handle design there, mm-hmm. but it's not a true coffin handle. I'm going right. to go on AG Russell and see if they uh, what they have for sale for Randalls. AG yeah, for a long time <clears throat> he was doing, but I think you can't do that unless you're a dealer now. You oh, really? Get, you have to actually get approved to be able to yeah. buy more than a couple. 
Yeah, so like right at the top of their page. So they've got a a Randall 25 uh, with th Thio wood. I, I know I'm probably saying that wrong. 625. They've got a Model 15 uh, Airman stainless. I have a 15. Mm -hmm. uh, they've got a Attack Survival. I didn't. I guess I knew they made that. I, it just was off of my radar. I have, they've got I have, a, have one of those. I like their Sportsman's Bowie, the Model 12. That, that's like a grand. Jesus. That's giant. I need to. I need to charge more for my my knives. For God's sake. Um. There, here's a. They're bumping up against the uh, coffin handle with this one too. Um, but it looks more like it looks more rounded than uh, right than the other. Oh, this is unusual. Um, the AG Russell special finger grooved Ivorite. What is that? That's What's Ivorite? Myocardium. Okay. Uh, pa like paper micarta or whatever. Yeah. Ivory yep. paper. Yeah, I mm -hmm. I did a uh, coffin handle Bowie that I sold to a guy in uh, the LAPD. Um, out of with that the um ivory micarta cool yeah and then i did a recently did a uh agent's knife a fairbairn sykes agent's knife that i sent to mm -hmm. a guy and he he sent me an email last night that when he opened the box he got so excited his family took his keys away <laughs> <laughs> isn't that great um, i you know you sent me that last night and i'm trying to i was trying to figure out the the uh what must have happened? The guy must have been old. Yeah, he is old. He well, he was he was one of um, Fairbairn's students, and apparently had um, use for one of those knives back in the day. So I I didn't ask I didn't pry into any more than that. But um, when he got it, he would he just about went crazy, you know. So mm -hmm. I thought that was kind of neat. Mhm. Mm uh, where is our friend Patrick? Oh, I bet he's still sleeping. <laughs> to give he's him a from call. Cali he's from California. Yeah. And, oh, I know. Uh, I have something to show. Just a minute. I wonder if he. I wonder if he thinks it's eleven o'clock his time. I think so. That's 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 my guess. So this is going to be a live long <laughs> a long live stream. <laughs> <laughs> uh he's probably still sleeping it'd be my guess uh so this is um these are the uh original sheaths for the raider bowies that i made and my raider bowie usually goes in here um but i did a i did a remake of it but i wanted to do it as a double guarded knife mm -hmm. uh, and then in order to make that happen i did it as a uh, Mortis Tang. Mm -hmm. I like that knife. Uh, yeah, it. This one ended up really nice. I'm keeping it. It's uh, mm -hmm. S35VN. Um, got. I mean, it's got the same balance and stuff as as the other uh, Bowies, but um, I angled the handle downwards just a little bit, like three degrees, mm -hmm. and uh, that makes it so that you're this part of your hand um, doesn't bump up into the top guard if you have it in like a reverse grip. Mm -hmm. um, and the guy that teaches my kids uh, martial arts 
um, I made him a, a fighting knife with that feature, and he really liked it. Because they apparently they use um, this reverse grip a lot. I I don't know anything about knife fighting, and I certainly don't ever want to be in a knife fight. But uh, um, anyway, that's the way I am. Yeah, I I always bring a gun to a knife fight. I don't want to be in any fights <laughs> unless I absolutely have to. But uh, let's see. I told him to wake up. Okay, well maybe he'll come. Hopefully he's. Uh, hopefully he is. Uh, oh, here's a. Uh, let's see what is this knife? Here, um, A. G. Russell. I'll, I'll show it. And it. Since we're talking about coffin handles. Um, there you go. This is the uh, Texas Ranger uh, Bowie fixed blade with the coffin handle. That's kind of neat. Yeah, it's, that's somewhat of an ugly knife. <laughs> well, yeah, but I like that they <laughs> – I wonder how they – it says in the early years, 1823 through 1836, a ranger carried whatever knife he could put his hands on. Right. Mostly, I would think, a homemade butcher knife. In Louisiana in 1827, a duel following, followed by a brawl involved several bystanders, including James Bowie of that state, brought to fame, uh, brought fame to the large knife, uh, thereafter called the Bowie knife, or a knife like Bowie's. After the War of Texas Independence, in uh, one fashion or another, the Bowie knife became almost a required article of dress for Texans including, of course, the Rangers. In designing the first of our Texas Ranger fixed blade series, I began with a knife that was made about 1940 by the Ames Sword Company. Do you know mm -hmm. anything about them? Yeah. They made the they made the Rifleman's Bowie during the Civil War. Hmm. Uh, it I says... Think they made sh I think they made shovels, too. Okay. The uh, Today, enlarging the handle is a given... And that is probably one of the first things you'll notice about this knife. Your great-great-grandfather had hands much smaller than yours, which is true. They were like, wasn't the average height of a World War II American soldier like 5'7"? I, I don't even think it was that tall, to be honest. I think it was smaller than that. I've got a, I've got a 1929 Model A uh -huh. that anybody that's bigger than me, and I'm 5'10", won't uh -huh. fit in it. Huh. I mean, so there's that much difference in size from 1929 to now. Hmm. I mean, you have to be pretty skinny to fit in it. Yeah. Well, and I think I think there's a difference even from the the 70s when I was born uh, to kids that are being born today. Yeah. You know, I think you know I'm 5'11 and and I think that eventually that's going to be considered short. Right. <laughs> you know, whereas before that that was. Uh, just a a little bit above average height when I was yep. younger. Well, I think that I think that the uh, the growth hormone that's in in a lot of the meats today is probably responsible for that. Well, I doubt it because, um, well, we can get into that later. But I I think probably the thing is good nutrition, and uh, moms aren't like drinking and smoking as much <laughs> during their pregnancies. Yeah, and uh, 
I don't know, just generally a, a softer life lets you grow to your genetic potential. I think we've 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 all got genetic potential to grow, you know, probably taller than we actually grew um, due to, you know, sickness when you're a kid or, you know, childhood illness or things like that. But now, you know, when I was a kid, I never went to the doctor ever. And, you know, we'd get strep throat and all this kind of crap and you just kind of, you know, get through it. Mm-hmm. Um, but now you, your kid sniffles and they go to the doctor. Right. You know, so I think that that's got to be part of the reason that they're they're taller is they're getting a lot more uh, attention and better food. Right. Yeah. Uh, but. Uh, yeah. yeah. But if you talk to some of the. The hippie types are going to tell you that it's the human growth HGH, human growth hormone, mm-hmm. or or growth hormones in the in the uh, meat. Uh, they're saying that estrogen in the milk causes our young ladies to develop faster. I don't know if that's I, true or not. But. Well, um, I don't know, but I know that um, you have to reach a certain percent body fat um, before. Uh, the hormones in your brain kick in and I think people are probably reaching that body percentage fat faster um, because uh, they're, um, you know, again, better nutrition or too much nutrition in most cases. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. All you have to do is go to the school lunchroom and you can see a whole lot of too much nutrition. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. What do you got? Or walk down Main Street. Yeah. Yeah, walk down Main Street and take a look at the people walking. So I think I'm going to share this. um, There's a a Patrick Ma knife. I'm going to share that, and we can talk about that. Um, That's actually available. You know, most of the time, by the time this stuff comes up, it's already gone. You know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, So this is the PDW Badger. And, it, you know, it kind of has that dauntless look about it. Um, it's a good-looking knife. Yeah, I, 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 it's pretty <clears throat> sharp. It's a frame lock. Um, the blade shape reminds me of a uh, SOG dive knife. Huh. Uh, yeah, look at that lock. I, I can't imagine how these guys are... Um, doing the machining on that and having all that come up so perfect. It's, it's really, Oh, and it's got a uh, glow in the dark pin. I wonder if that's tritium. I guess we'll find out, huh? Yeah, probably is. Huh? Okay. So in stock now I got to go back. Oh, he's got three of them. He's got a mill mil LE edition and a Invictus mill LE edition. Oh, th- those are Invictuses. So those aren't the uh, badger, but they look similar. The Invictus, is that the auto? Yeah. It looks like it. Don't you have one of those? Yep. Yes, I do. Yes, wow. I do. It's only three eighty nine. Yeah, I love that knife. I think that's a cool as hell knife. Yeah. I, I like that too. Let me let me go back to the badger here. This one's a little yeah. more money. Um so yeah, I like a, I like that one that I have. It's, yeah. uh, I think it's very well done. Yeah, he does uh, everything that they've put out. I've, um, it's usually pretty good stuff. And I'll show this uh, 
um, I'll show this folder I got from them a while ago. Um, but let's see. He says, uh, compact and stout, this folder, is, uh, like the wild predator it is named after, is able to hold its ground against many beasts larger than itself, featuring a level of detail and machining uncommon in folders in its class. Multi-axis machined contoured handle. See, that's hard to do. Right. Um, extra detailed uh, chamfering. Let's see. Functional engineering V-cut blade seat channel. So that that mean that's it where the blade comes down into the handle so it doesn't dull or whatever. Um, but anyway, it's uh, S35VN is the blade. The scales are titanium. Overall length is 7. Blade length is 3. Uh, blade thickness is 0 0.160. So that's pretty thick. 4.4 mm -hmm. um, ounces. Um, I want to know what the... Uh, want to know um, what they did for that glow-in-the-dark uh, thumb stud. What do you think oh, they did there? I bet you it's a piece of, I bet you it's a gas tritium tube. Really? Yeah. Because we were, we were trying to do that, and isn't it, didn't well, it? Oh, maybe not, maybe not, maybe not. Maybe it's a, um, uh, now that I think about it, I don't think mine is tritium. I think you got to light it up. Yeah, because I guess the deal is, is those, um, those, uh, it, it, we, I looked into it, and it's actually quite a pain in the ass to be able yeah. to manufacture something with tritium in it. I mean, you yeah. probably have to have the, a uh, the gas. You have to. It's a it's a nuclear regulatory commission thing. Mm -hmm. You have to be. Uh, um, Kaminga and go through that whole process mm -hmm. where you learn how to handle nuclear stuff. Yeah. Well, I I did. Otherwise, that. otherwise their whole la their whole shop would be glowing in the dark. Well, yeah, that's the thing. And so I worked in a um, microbiology lab uh, for a year after uh, college and before medical school because I kind of wanted a break. And uh, we had uh, we would work with some radioisotopes. Um, and you would what we would do is we would create a virus uh, with a um, a special, uh, what's called a plasmid, and then we would use the the uh, virus to infect bacteria, and then when it does that, the plasmid gets inserted into the bacteria's genes. So we could add things or take away things in uh, in um, bacteria in in the genomes of different bacteria, and that's how we figured out what the different genes did. Um, but we had a a hot room or a, a nuclear room where I mean it was just crazy like how easy it is to like spill like a little drop of it uh -huh. and so so every time uh, or just touch something and then touch something else so every time we went in there um, before we were done we'd go and um, go over the whole place with a Geiger counter just to make sure and half the time I'd find something where you know somehow I must have touched something and then touched something else and there was like radioactivity on what I touched. So and the term I can, is called being crapped up. What do you mean? <laughs> when, you, <laughs> when you get, uh, when you become radioactive, the uh -huh. terminology that you used in the, uh, in the, in the uh, nuclear business is you are crapped up. Huh. 
as in well, crap. Things turn to crap. You. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, if you if you got a little bit on you, you got crapped up. Hmm. Then you had to get scrubbed. So uh, Jeff Venture asks, uh, what our favorite knives were when we were kids? And I think I have mine right behind me. Uh, what about you? You start. Well, obviously, I had a Boy Scout knife, a Scout right. knife, back like in third grade. Um, uh-huh. But then I, I moved to a, uh, an electrician's knife. Uh, okay. were, they, were they T-80s, I think they were called? T-80s. What the hell was that electrician's knife? The army, the army one. Uh, that was what I, uh, and I, I still have the one I cut myself really bad on. Okay. Well, and, uh, yeah. And that was like my, that was like one of my favorite for a long, long time. Uh-huh. And then I carried a, um, uh, well, I think I, I probably carried that until. I was in, um, in at least in the junior high, and then I ended up with a buck one ten, and then carried a buck one ten all through high school, and yep. uh, probably into probably my mid twenties, I think, mm-hmm. is what I carried. Um, so yeah, but there, but you know, back when. Um, you basically had a case knife, right? You know, pocket folding knife. Uh, folding hunters were not. I mean, that uh, that was it. I mean, buck one ten or a puma or a Schrade were the only folding hunters, or something a little bit different than a than a like a regular old pocket knife. Hmm. Hmm. I'm looking. What are you here. looking for? Well, I've I've got one. Well, here's here's two. Uh, here's two of them, two of my early carries, and then the rest of them are in. You're all locked up. This, uh, well, this is the first um, knife of any kind. Um, this is actually a replacement because the original one is somewhere in my dad's basement, and I have no idea where it would be. This is just a buck. Um, I forget the the model, but it's a little fixed blade. Um, yeah, it, special it hunter. Be, yeah, something like that. And it's got like a it's like a stick tang. Um, uh, but I I replaced it because I don't know where the original one is. So mm-hmm. that was the first knife of any kind I got. And then I got a uh, let's see. I bought a little. I bought with my own money. Uh, when we went on a Wild West trip, a teeny tiny little folding Gerber with a lock blade on it uh, that I really liked. That had a little plastic handle. Uh, and then, let's see, I we took a trip to Mexico, and uh, this was on the Wild West trip. And this is actually kind of a funny story. My dad and mom were there. We had a 1982 Dodge Ram Charger. And they had a a U-Haul carrier mounted on top of it for, like, extra luggage space. Well, so by then, we'd been, like, in the West for, like, three weeks or something. And uh, my dad had been, like, illegally collecting cactuses. And putting them up. He wanted to bring home, like, cactuses. It's like, why don't you just buy the goddamn things? But anyway, so 
and and <laughs> the cactuses that he collected, I, I'm pretty sure he still has because they live like a hundred years or something. So he's got this top carrier loaded up with uh, cactuses, and then uh, sitting in the car, he's got a 38 special with the uh, pearl handle like Roscoe P. Coltrane carried on uh, <laughs> Dukes of Hazard. So he had that exact gun that Roscoe had. So he had That's that with funny. us because one of the things we were doing was going out and uh, finding rocks because he like cut and polished rocks and shit like that. Well, so you, he was, you know, he had it for snakes and such. Of course, we never saw a snake. I saw some really scary bugs, but not a snake. So he forgets that he's got this firearm in the car. And we cross the border uh, and we're in Mexico. And he's like, oh, shit. I have a gun in the car. And if I come back across the border, they're going to search us and blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, and I'm like, and like buttloads of illegal plants in the, <laughs> in the carrier up there. Like, just, you know, just a dumb decision. Well, so my mom... Uh, says, well, I'll hide it in my purse. And she she takes it and hides it in her purse. And and they're saying, well, uh, if we get arrested, uh, um, you know, you won't be put in jail. What you'll have to do is call somebody and have them come get you and all this. And I'm like, oh, God, you know, and I'm like seven at the time. You know, I'm like totally clueless, you know, and you can imagine what it is if you're seven. Well, while I was down there, uh, we stopped at this like little me Mexican market and they had this huge Bowie knife and I guess we've lost Jim, but they had this huge Bowie knife and I took it and I had it in the car with me and we were, we crossed back across the border and, uh, uh, got back to Arizona and I think we crossed at El Paso. So we like drove all the way up drove all the way up Texas and then over to Arizona and they got these cactuses over there called jumping cactuses. And, uh, there's Jim. So they got these cactuses called jumping cactuses and I got this big Bowie knife and I decide I'm going to go and like chop with my Bowie knife. I was like an early adapter of chopping at like seven. <laughs> so, so I chopped this fucking, uh, uh, jumping cactus and the thing springs away from the knife and then springs back and sticks into my hand. And they have like these hooks on the end of there. And so I was like stuck to the tree and my dad is wandering off somewhere like, you know, looking for some rock or something. And my mom, who knows what, she was probably reading a book in the car or something. And <laughs> so I'm stuck there on the tree. So I took, took the knife and cut off, um, not my hand, I cut off the, uh, thing and I walked back to the car with this thing stuck in my hand and I couldn't get it out and but I, <laughs> I had my bowie knife you know and so like an hour later it's like stinging and all this stuff an hour later my dad comes back to the car and he sees this thing and my mom's like I don't care I told you not to be screwing around with that knife anyway it serves you right and then my dad uh takes a pair of pliers and pulls them out of there it was like one of the most painful things I've ever had. And I've broken, I've broken bones. I've like, I've obviously cut the shit out of myself. I've had burns, and That's by funny. far one of the most painful things was that stupid uh, jumping cactus. Um, nice. Uh, Jeff Venture says uh, hashtag cactus smuggling. <laughs> uh, hey, 
I yeah. have got to go take a break. Um, okay. So my um, 17 cups of coffee needs to be uh, okay. Drained so out. Just, so uh, I will. I will keep talking about uh, childhood knives and. I got a couple others to show. So I had that Bowie knife, and then I think what happened is uh, it never made it back home. I think my mom, like, conveniently lost it somewhere. Uh, but then on that trip, I did get one bonus, and that's that we kept going around to all these, like, uh, Indian reservations because uh, my mom wanted to buy, like, turquoise and, and, and crafts and such like this, and, and uh, you could do that. Um, back then, I don't know if you still can, um, but so we kept going to all these places, and of course, um, me being seven, uh, I heard uh, that you could buy like cherry bombs and and like illegal fireworks there. So I spent the every time I, we went anywhere near an Indian reservation, I would ask if they had any cherry bombs or whatever, and they looked at me like I was from outer space. Uh, uh, and so, um, but I did, I did score some fireworks and fireworks were illegal in Iowa up until just last year. So moving on to other knives. Um, let's see, I found this is one of my uh, early knives. Let's see. Oh yeah. Tell them what it is. It's a Hackman butterfly knife, um, mm -hmm. made in, uh, the early Late 50s, early 60s, um, sometimes called an agency knife. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up a window. I've I've researched these before, and I think you can you can get them. But I'll bring up a window and show people some sites and stuff. Hackman. Um, so it's it's like a survival knife, though, right? Yeah, that's what Hackman it's butterfly. Hackman um, butterfly. Survival knife. Um, so there's there's some YouTube videos on it. I see. Um, let's see. So this one, Hackman folding knife. Um, this is from a U.S. military forum. Um, and it it looks like uh, they're wondering if if it was uh, issued to CIA concealed carry or whatever. Um, and they're looks like they're throwing shade on it anyway. Um, anyway, I will try to find one where you can actually buy it and show that. Throwing what? Throwing what on it? Well, they're they're saying maybe it wasn't a um, maybe it wasn't. Well, the last one that sold was uh, on eBay was um, February thirteenth, twenty fourteen, and that was. Uh, for like 70 bucks or something. Um, it has its own Wikipedia page, and I'll share that real quick. Uh, let's see, Hackman, share. Okay, so it's a, uh, it's a type of balisong knife uh, produced by the Finnish company Hackman. Knife was marketed by Hackman as a camping knife and later uh, Wilderness Puko. Uh, knives were sold in the United States, and some researchers state that they were issued by the CIA during the Vietnam War. Um, the knife was designed 1959 and 60, and has been produced ever since. So maybe you can still buy it. Um, 
1981, Hackman sold the original machines and molds uh, to their former employee in the Sorsakoski region. <laughs> um, since 2013, they are manufactured by Sega Spirit Limited. Let me see if I can... Oh, yeah, you can think... still buy them. Um, you can still buy them. I don't uh, but think mine says... Oh, they got all kinds of different handles, too. Yeah, mine just says Hackman Finland. Hackman Finland, huh? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so yours is obviously pre-2013 um, or whatever. Yeah, I think it's mine's old. Mine's probably yeah. from the 60s. Uh, next knife I got my hands on after that Bowie was I was at a YMCA camp, and um, I spotted something red through the floorboards of this porch and I looked down and I saw Victorinox Huntsman and so I spent the rest <laughs> I spent like two days trying to fish that out of there with various methods uh, and I finally got it and got it out of there and so I, <laughs> I, I carried that one forever like I went to the boundary waters with it I mean that was like my go-to knife for a long time and then of course uh the original Buck 110, um, because Bo and Luke Duke carried them. <laughs> and I Who? wanted one. Bo and Luke Duke? <laughs> yeah, Dukes of Hazard. Uh, and That's now funny. my 110 is this one. It's that auto. That's pretty cool. So um, those, I guess those, I'd say those are my favorite childhood knives. You got any others? Uh, let's see. Say it. That's what you had when you were a kid? Yep. Hmm. No, I didn't. Yeah, this is I, this was made in 1998. Which one is it? You got this some edge things there. No, that's a... Uh, oh, jimping or whatever, or uh, serrations? Oh, I see. Serrations. Yeah. It's a microtech. Wow. It's a dual action, so it's an automatic and a manual. Nice. So that if you get pulled over by the popo yep. <laughs> and they ask to see it, you can disable the automatic. Yep. That's it's cool. called a SOCOM. Mm-hmm. And then I've got a – I was going to share these with Patrick because these would bring back memories. Um, this is a UDT. Knife from Microtech. Okay. Uh, underwater on. demolitions team or whatever? Yep, yep. And this is a mini UDT. I hear it clicking. Mini UDT. Nice. And then this is a micro UDT. Cool. It's just a little guy. Yeah. Are cool. Um, let's see. Jer, uh, uh, Bear asks, uh, Jim, are you coming up to Bark River for September gr uh, grinding? I might be in China. I don't know. I may be, Ooh, what are you doing I might there? be in China. I'm going to go visit my kids. Oh, that's right. They Aren't they over there doing some craziness? Yep, yep. 
And uh, so we're we're wrestling with that right now. How to we got to get a I got to get a travel visa and we got to get a travel visa to go. I guess a, excuse me a tourist visa. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's in that's going to be in September. And I'm not sure what uh, when the grind is in is in September. Um, it's the week that I'm playing drums in uh, Frankenmuth. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. So I won't be able to go. Well, oh, I got another uh, Blues Brothers gig. Um, oh, yeah? Up. Yeah, end of uh, July, like the last Saturday. I need to They're, go to that. Well, it's tentative. It was a good show, but it'll this will be a better show because we've, we've played together now. <laughs> you know, we're more practiced. Um, so that's that's going on. Here's a Here's a – this is – now they were asking about favorite knives. This it doesn't really qualify as childhood, um, but basically the knives that I told you about, this one, and then an old scout knife that I, I I know I have it. It's probably in my jeweler's chest, and then this buck, uh, and then the Victorinox Huntsman were basically the only knives I owned all the way through college, and then I think my last year in medical school I bought this, and this is a uh, Ken Onion designed uh, Kershaw Random Task, and it's left-handed. Yep, and I have it's one of those. yeah, it's still one of my favorite knives. It's got like the G10 handle, and at the time, this was like I I had never seen a a spring-assisted knife before, and so this like totally blew my mind. And uh, so I bought one, and then my uncle's left-handed, and he bought one too, and he still has his, and of course I have mine, and um, but I carried this for a long, 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 long time. And then um, I started looking into whether or not it, it's replaceable, and it, it really isn't. Um, right. They, they did, a, uh, they did a, a redo, like the Random Task 2 that I own, but I don't like uh-huh. it as much as I like the 1. So whatever. Um, another unusual knife. I don't know if you've seen these. you seen that? This... Um, I have two of these. This is another Kershaw, but it's it's got this hard Kydex thing, and it's stored with the blade in the handle, and then when you pull on it, it deploys um, oh, the blade. Oh, it's a ripcord. Ripcord, rip yeah. So um, I carried this for quite a while, too, um, but uh, I don't know. And then when you put it back in, you, you have to lock. You see that thing there? Yeah, you, you put it there and it, it slides the lock back in. But I I bought it just because I thought the the locking mechanism was so so neat. Yeah, that's I think that was designed by a guy named Halpern. Okay. I believe. Um, I actually have two of them because I wanted, I bought one and then uh, then they later had the option that you could get a left-handed sheath. <laughs> so you got a left-handed sheath. <laughs> yeah. So I actually own two of that's, those knives. That's funny. Uh, here's a another somewhat unusual knife, spring-assisted. Um, I don't know. Uh, let's see. You, I don't know if you've seen these. You've probably seen these. This is the uh, – it's a CRKT, Columbia mm-hmm. River Knife and Tool. Mm-hmm. It's the uh, Hisatsu folder, um, but it's got a really strong um, locking mechanism in order to – to get this to go back into the handle, you have to pull on this little lever here, and you have to engage or disengage rather the liner lock. 
Though I mainly bought this because I um, was intrigued by the, the locking mechanism. Um, I haven't carried this one much because it's like a pound. It's like it's well, like super. As, as I recall, as I recall, I think I have one of those too. As I recall, uh -huh. they're um, they're not easy to close. Yeah, it's like a well, two-handed like, yeah. thing. You gotta. Yeah. Well, I guess the idea was is that it wasn't. You weren't going to have lock failure. So it, right. it is. Well, you can get it closed. Well, I can't. But theoretically, you can get it closed. Um, one-handed, but I've never been able to figure it out. Well, yeah, because you got it. But and, then, and then it's spring-loaded, so to get past that spring resistance is a bitch too. But anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I I wasn't a big fan, but. That's yeah, I I just have one. I I was intrigued by it. I've never carried it. It's too damn heavy. Um, well, you know what? It looks to me like we've got some kind of communication issue with with Patrick. I think that he is uh, probably to be this early. Because what time is it in California right now? Uh, it's got to be like nine. Yeah. Which means he's not even close to. Uh, right. Uh, okay, I have to. I have to. Uh, I have to read some of the chat here. Um, Jared. Jared says, and I was. I was following this, and I. <laughs> this is funny because I, I. When he was telling me he was going to go to India, I was like so jealous because I'd love to go there. So in the chat he says, "Don't go to India." Uh, and probably in reference to my story about trying to cross the Mexican border with illegal shit. Anyway, uh, then Jeff Venture says, having a knife for travel in China is probably going to be tough. Uh, and then he says, if he went to Indri India, Kukri's uh, would be coming home. And he, I, so he's talking about me. And Jared says, I just got back from there. It was damn near impossible to find a decent knife there. <laughs> <laughs> which, yes, which, there is. Well, and then. Um, he he had some. Uh, have you seen those like those uh, Russian survival knife things that um, have that kind of unusual blade shape? And I think they're in Brazil too. I, I'm forgetting the company. Maybe he'll tell us. He he did find uh, a knife that that I, I mean you wouldn't see in the stores here. I don't know if he bought it or what. Um, but uh, he he did find that, and then I don't know like some kitchen knives or something, but. Um, so <laughs> I'd, so like, I'd like to go to India. I'd like to go to India just to go to see the Thomas Christians. Okay, tell me about them. Um, the Thomas Christians are uh, is a Catholic church that was started by the Apostle Thomas. Okay, doubting doubting Thomas. Okay, went to India in 50 A.D. and basically did what he was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Started a church there. And uh, because of political boundaries, nobody went back to India from from the Rome from Rome. Nobody went back to India until like fifteen hundred something like that. Fifteen, and one of the Jesuit um, um, missionaries went back and stumbled upon this church that was exactly like the Catholic Church. Uh, that nobody knew how it got there. And then they realized that this was a church that was started by one of the apostles and it was untouched by anybody in Rome from, mm -hmm. you know, 
50 AD to 1500. And here you got a you got a church that's operating exactly the same as the church in Rome. And I thought, well, that would be kind of cool to see that, you know, how it, it, it paralleled the, the Roman uh, Catholic Church, the same as the because they started with the same the same seed. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to I'd like to go see that. I think that would be kind of cool. Okay, um, so Jared responded that he bought a muela. So I'm that's a Spanish knife. Yeah, I, 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 for some reason I was thinking Russian or whatever, but those, they're, oh my God, they want like two and three grand for these damn things. What? Yeah. Look at, it's on the screen there. They want freaking like crazy money for them, I guess. Cause those are, that's gotta be, they, they gotta have some cheaper ones than that. Um, that's just crazy money. Um, mm. That's a little bit. I would not buy that knife for that. That's insane. Yeah, I know. I'd buy a uh, Jimmy Lyle. You know, and I don't necessarily want a picture of a rhino on my knife. Somebody'd probably. You know, yeah, that's a big they, deal over there. Yeah, I know. You got to be careful about that shit. They don't. They don't like that. Mm-hmm. Um, people coming and killing off their beasts and whatnot. Yeah, if you even kill an antelope, they people go crazy. Yeah, all these knives are like two and three grand. Right. But, but they're like, uh, well, here's one that's three twenty-five. So these are getting a little more, getting a little more reasonable. I wonder which one he got. If he got one of those really fancy ones for not as much money, that'd be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, when did he just went there, huh? I didn't uh, see any pictures on Facebook. Yeah. Well, okay. So I get to tell the story. Um, this is this is funny. Um, so he he went over there, and I I I think maybe he uh, was visiting his sister there or something like this. And he goes over there, and uh, um, you know, he went and visited all these places. Uh, they went to some uh, place where they were like distilling alcohol. So I saw the pictures from that. And then I saw he posted uh, like a photo of one of his meals and it was like a steak dinner, but <laughs> there's no steak in there. Like it's got like this cutlet of some critter with like some gravy on it and like some green beans and then some rice or whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, cows are like sacred animals over there. And most of most of India is vegetarian. Good luck getting a, a good steak. Um and then the next uh, the next food photos he posted were McDonald's. <laughs> and even then, there no no beef. Yeah, and then like two days later, he uh, was back on a plane coming home because I guess it was not um, um, not a fun trip. Yeah, I don't think he enjoyed himself as much as uh, as much as he thought he would, which is unfortunate. Um, I I think he just didn't go to the right places or something. Um, but they, he showed, uh, some, some photographs out of, uh, out of like an apartment window or something. And it was overlooking this courtyard and there was like trash and stuff all over it, which is, which is pretty much, I mean, when I go, um, to places that, um, are not necessarily, uh, up to, um, us standards in terms of that sort of thing, that's pretty much what you're going to see. And, 
Um, Careful. You see that even, you That's see that. racist. I didn't mention race. I said other countries <laughs> that, that yeah, don't but that's have the latest, cleanliness That's standards. the latest thing, that if you, if you praise Western civilization, you're a racist. I wasn't praising. I wasn't even making a comparison. <laughs> well, you just said I was it was being up, very to, up to Western standards. Well, I didn't say that Western standards were necessarily good or the right way to do things. See how sneaky I was there? Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, anyway, so hopefully our, our friend wakes up. Well, he's not. I mean, if he's <laughs> – you know what? I'm going to guess that we're going to have to reschedule this. Well, I think I think that's going to I mean, we're not going to go on for another two more hours. No. Well, what we, <laughs> well yeah, I'm not anyway. Um, I guess what we could do is uh, um, try again and just make sure he he knows we're talking Eastern time. Right. Actually, yeah. So it would be two more hours before he wakes yeah. up. But yeah. let's go. Let's keep talking. Maybe he'll wake up earlier than he thought he would and see his messages blowing up and stuff. Let's talk about, um, I want to talk about a Russian um, honeypot. Okay, tell me all of, oh, is this political segment? Yeah. Okay, so um, we will probably talk more about knives, but we're going to take a break from that, and uh, we'll talk about um, some um, political content now. So if that's not the part of our podcast that you enjoy, thanks for watching up to this point. Um, let me just make sure I didn't miss anything in chat. Okay, uh, Jeff Venture says some other countries' knives are way more expensive. Knives of the World website would give you a heart attack. Beard says, I was visiting my sister and her friends. I firmly believe we did not go to the right areas for most of it. Uh, we went uh, to the mountains down to uh, Nilgiri. Down by Nilgiri was beautiful, however, Bangalore was not. Uh -huh. uh, so that I guess that's the I guess that's the um, issue there. So I, I haven't missed anything in chat. So uh, we're gonna do a little polit political segment here. Um, as you know, I'm more hands off in my political views. Uh, but, you know, some people just don't want to hear it. So if you aren't one of the people that enjoys that segment of the podcast, then feel free to tune out. And we were really happy that you could join us. And hopefully um, you'll be tuning into some live streams at some point. So without further ado. Peace, love, dope, man. <laughs> right. <laughs> Wait, let me see if I can if I can get a, a, a song to play real quick here. This would be cool. All right. Let me see if it'll play through our stream. Uh, let's see. I gotta find. Uh, this is the traditional thing to scare off uh, the faint of heart. Okay, we find it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Here it is. See if it comes through. Is it going through? Oh nope. well. Sorry guys. I tried. Uh, it won't let me do it. Um, I wonder why. Well, I think it. I think they're probably wary of um, copyright things, and I could make that happen. I have a workaround for that, but it's it's more trouble than I want to go to. Okay, so what were you talking about? A Russian honeypot. Isn't that the attorney's name, honeypot? That is it? met with that with Donald Jr. Well, well, if it's if that's really her name, then that is a 
that that is a classic name. Um, <laughs> so, uh, because that's that's what it was was a honeypot trap. Um, because there was a thing um, in the New York Times a few days ago, and maybe I'll, I'll find the article because people are always like source, source, source. If you mention something, so I'm gonna find it. Um, uh, but basically, Obama gave her special permission. Uh, a special visa to come into the country to meet with uh, Jared, right? Okay, so her, her name is. is her name is not Honeypot. <laughs> What's her name? This will help me find the. Uh, Rynat. Oh, I can't even pronounce it. A K H M E T S H I N. Okay, let me find. Um, okay, so I'm going to find. Uh, so CBS. Um, well, what's a what's a trusted source that people aren't going to say is bullshit? Um, um, there isn't any. Okay, so I'm just going to pick um, I'm just going to pick the top one, um, and I'll show the article here. Um, but this is just to to source what I'm saying here, what my claim is. My my claim is is that Obama um, issued a special visa to this lady. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And and this so this this is from CBS and there were numerous other um news sites that did it. So her name isn't Honeypot, but now I saw a news article come across uh my feed yesterday uh where um and I haven't let, let me just check and see if it's been published anywhere else yet. Um I don't want to say something without it being true. I think this is her name right here. Hang on. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be able to pronounce this, but I think this is who she is. That look right? I, I can't see it yet. I'm I'm goofing off. Uh so there was a a report yesterday and I don't have a um it's from this guy Jack Hozobiek, and I'm not a hundred percent certain that he's um I'm not a hundred percent certain that he's a reliable source. But anyway, if his report ends up being true, which you know you never know, basically Lynch tapped uh one of the phone of one of the guys at that meeting. So so let's back up. You know what a honeypot trap is, right? This is a classic right. Russian maneuver. Um, yep. get a very attractive woman uh, to make nice with uh, somebody that you want to influence and then the natural thing happens and then now they've got photographs of you doing stuff and right. they, they use it to blackmail you. Well, anyway, um, so this looks to me, uh, if, if all of these stories are true, um, you know, if it's true, this is a honeypot. You let right. you you know, knowingly let somebody into the country with ties to the Russian government meet with uh, the Trump campaign and then tap the phone. Right. But that's a honeypot, you know. And right. and the way she baited him was uh, to try to to say that she had like damaging evidence about Hillary and blah blah blah, and it'll help you in your campaign. Um, which to me, that's opposition research. Right. You know, of course, if somebody says they have damaging information, you're going to meet with them no matter who the hell it is. You know, right. if, if they're credible, the, they're somewhat the credible. Scary, 
the scary part about this, to me, is the fact that we're hearing all about Donald Trump Jr. meeting with her, but we aren't hearing anything about why she was in this country, why she was wandering around the halls of Congress, why she was meeting with Jessica Lynch, or Jessica, or not Jessica Lynch, but uh, Attorney General Lynch, why she was meeting with uh, um, senators. Well, they're saying it, it was she was trying to lobby this adoption thing where um, there's some issue where Obama like banned like adoptions or it, it, I don't understand the whole thing, but I, I did hear on NPR that they were um, that she was trying to open up channels of adoption again. OK. Uh, and and from from. And so and so, hey, you want to so, stay here? So, so is this the deal that they made? You want to stay here for a period of time a little bit longer? How about making a phone call to Donald Jr.? Well, there's a question. You know, that's one way to think of it. I don't until until someone reputable um, publishes a sourced article that they tapped um, what's his face's phone during the meeting. Um, I don't know that uh, that I'd be comfortable making that claim. But um, let's say you you'd plan to use this Ma Russians narrative. Uh, if your candidate lost, right, or use it to try to sink Donald later in the campaign, um, of course you would want their campaign to meet with um, somebody from the Russian government, you know. And then, it, you know, if you can tap the phones or figure out a way to uh, that what was said, and then you know leak that later, um, you know, it, it all starts to maybe fall into place a little bit. But I, I cannot provide a an actual reputable source but, that they tap the phone. I think the problem is is that nobody can. I think that the I think that the problem lies with the fact that if you're a, if you're an Obama supporter, it wouldn't matter. He could he could have been raping learners uh, in school in front of the classrooms and nobody would have thought it was anything wrong with that. Because the, because Obama is walked on water, and that's what their notion is: is that here's a guy that no matter what he did, he walks on water, and and I think Hillary the same way. I think I think Hillary should be charged with treason, but a Hillary supporter will tell you, no, she doesn't. She didn't do anything wrong. There's nothing wrong with selling out our. Uh, what's that? Didn't do nothings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So there's nothing wrong with that. There's no, there's, you know, she. That's fine. We don't need all that uranium. We don't, you know, and and you know, the Clinton Foundation really does good things with their money. Just look at Haiti. Yeah, go ask an actual Haiti Haitian. Yeah. I, I have yeah. um, a lot of friends from Haiti that I met when I was down there, and they're on my Facebook. And uh, quite a bit of time, quite a bit of the time, uh, um, they'll be griping about you know here you know all this money was given and like they've built like four houses or something i i need to source that um well no it's, it's true they were down there saying hey donate your money to the clinton foundation because we take care of haiti yeah we've been taking care of haiti since 1995 okay so uh, Red Cross. Let me see. Red. Okay, so Red. Okay, so um, 
this is a this is an article that would be damaging to um, the Clintons. So I'm going to source a left. I'm going to use a left-leaning source for this, um, uh, so that they can't say that I'm using like Fox News or whatever. Um, so here we go. Red Cross built exactly six homes for Haiti with nearly half a billion dollars in donations. Nice. Yeah. Um, but the uh, that I think Clinton was very very heavily tied into that. I um, I'm trying to remember how. I got to find another source for that. Now, um, now, who who did this article? That's Huffington Post. So they're huge wow. huge liberals. Um, Clinton Foundation, Haiti, Red Cross. Let's see, so Slate, uh, National Review. I shouldn't shouldn't talk shouldn't talk about them because people say I'm doing a bad source. Um, hmm. Let's see what does Slate have to say? They're pretty liberal, so they're they're complaining that uh, um, that Trump campaigned on that that they that they um, so apparently it's more complicated than that if you listen to Slate. Um, hmm. Anyway, I, I just remember seeing a bunch of articles like that uh, come across my desk, and and the the actual people in Haiti aren't super thrilled with the Clintons right now. No, um, I don't think they ever have been. But I but but I also think that that when you are when you make statements like the, like what they're making about Donald Jr., um, you have to look at the grand scheme of things and say, okay, so this was the plan from the beginning. Well, the other thing is, is that um, this meeting happened back in June, right? right. And uh, it, political campaigns meet with anyone they can to get dirt on somebody else, right? right. And so, right. so if you look at it, this is June. This is way before the Ma Russians narrative started. You know that right. that happened the day after uh, Trump won, because within 24 hours, that was how the Clintons. Um, this is from a source inside their campaign. There's a book on it. You guys go. You guys go find it. I don't want to find it for you. But anyway, within 24 hours, they decided to spin it as Ma Russians, right? Um, but but this was back in June. Like there wasn't. Why wouldn't he take a meeting with the Russians? There wasn't. They, they, nobody was talking about Russian meddling in the election. Why would it even be on your radar? And the other thing is, is if you remember. You remember that dossier where they said that uh, Trump was getting all golden showered in Russia and all this and like all right. of that, and that came that came from um, a British Secret Service guy, right? And and it was totally fake because Trump is a big germaphobe. <laughs> right. I don't know if you know that, but like, yeah. good luck getting him to shake hands with you. Um, right. So there's no way anybody that anybody that read it knows it's bullshit, like complete right. and total bullshit. I mean, it's too far fetched. But that came from a foreign government. So why isn't that seen the same way? Um, well, why, why meddling in the election? That's my question with all of it. Why wasn't um, anything brought up about the Ukraine? 
and and Hillary's people met with. Why isn't anything brought up about Obama meddling in the in the Israel uh, Israeli election? Oh, because it doesn't fit my narrative, my Russian narrative. Yeah, I mean, we, we I mean, meddle they, in everybody's elections all over the world every single time there's an election. It's how we do things. Right. Right. So so why is it all? Why is anybody surprised? And quite honestly. When you talk about meddling, what are you talking about? Sending out false statements? Yeah. Um, well, so what what they're saying is meddling is that uh, they they think that the Russians um, hacked Hillary's emails and then gave the emails to WikiLeaks and then WikiLeaks released them. Yeah. Uh, so they think that that was the Russians meddling. Well, if they'd hacked the emails and there was nothing in there, well, it wouldn't have that. had any effect. You know, not that, only that, that not, not only that, if you'll notice that they didn't, the DNC did not turn over this, the server that was hacked, hacked over yeah. to the FBI so that they could investigate this as a, because that's illegal. You know, no matter who's doing it, it's illegal to do. Why didn't they care to, to let them know who did it? You know why? Because they figured out who did it. Their IT guy figured out who did it. Their IT guy figured out that that uh, Panetta, um, Pinata, his password was password. <laughs> his password was password, and not only that, he fell for a phishing scheme. Yeah, and let him in because if you notice, it wasn't it, it. WikiLeaks didn't have all of the emails that were on that server. Mm-hmm. They had Panetta's to everybody and their responses to Panetta. Hmm. I don't think that, I'm not sure, but I don't think that they had like everybody's emails in there. Well, they didn't dump all of them. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Let me see. Um, I know they had all of Panetta's because Panetta was uh, kind of showed his ass quite a bit on that in those emails. Yeah, the the funny one was that, uh, so how isn't it collusion if the debate moderator gives you the questions in advance? How is that exactly. not collusion? Exactly. So so you, you've got like CNN or whoever it was like giving the questions to one side ahead of the debate so that you can rehearse like perfect answers, you know, yeah. and have like a focus group tested answer. And that makes a big difference because if you're asked a question and you have to think off the top of your head, um, you see what happens when politicians go off script. It turns right. into a big mess really fast. Yeah, but you, but if you notice, even when even when Donald Trump went off message, he didn't make much of a mess. He really didn't make a lot of. I mean, he, <laughs> he basically won all the all of the all of the debates just by saying what everybody was thinking. Right, and then they did a study. I heard this on NPR, and people can look it up. I'm not going to go find the article, but it's easy to find. Just Google it. They did a study where they, you know, because they were saying, well, Hillary lost because she's a woman. And so what they did was they took a room full of people and they, they had, uh, they had a man say Hillary's words and a woman say Trump's words in, in the debates. And the, the audience overwhelmingly sided with the woman saying Trump's words. So, and this is, and it wasn't even close. I mean, it was overwhelming. And and the problem wasn't that she's a woman. I, I don't care what your demographics are. I don't give a shit. If you're good, if you're going to be good at the job, then I want you like, 
right. Margaret Thatcher. I'd take her in a in a heartbeat. Right. Or, or some of these people, you know. So it it had nothing to do with that. It was it was her message, and you know the other thing, the other reason she lost is she just ignored. Um, she ignored a big big chunks of this uh, country, well, just and, thinking and she would win it from California and New York or whatever. But you know what else? You know what I think though. There was something. There was something more more telling than that. You know, they're blaming it on the fact that she ignored those states. And I think what she did was she realized that she wasn't going to win because she was not getting any kinds of turnouts that she thought she should be getting. I mean, you looked at, I mean, I remember thinking about this and talking about this before. When Donald Trump would go to a, to a like, I'm showing up at an event uh, in Grand Rapids. Yeah, that, that, I'm gonna that, be that was there, I'm going to be there at 9 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they let them know, let people know at noon that I'm at nine o'clock and there was 25,000 people waiting to see him in Grand Rapids or whatever the number was. It was an exorbitant number. And Hillary would show up in clearly democratic territory, let's say uh, somewhere in North Carolina and 37 people were there. Yeah. or she, I think she went to and the that, university of Iowa and like five people showed. Yeah, and it's like that's, and that's, like their, little, that's their flash mob. That's their flash mob. Like middle of Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> that's, it, their, you know, that's their flash mob. Five people, thirty-five people showed up. Yeah. Yeah, you I know, mean, there and, was and so a, when when you start having that kind of a thing going on, you start realizing that hey, you know what? We're probably not doing so good. I probably should be saving my saving the campaign money. I think I'll stop spending any of it in Michigan and Wisconsin and. You know, hell, I might as well stop spending all my campaign money because it's just all for me. It doesn't well, matter. Yeah, I mean, they, there's a. It's not like I'm going to turn it over to somebody else. I'm going to keep it like I keep everything. Well, the the other uh, the, the other thing is is that she thought that Michigan was going to be a safe place because it. When's the last time Michigan went uh, Democratic? Or not Democratic? Oh, Republican. Republican. Oh. Um, it's I a think long since, time ago. Since I think since Reagan, I don't think Bush won. Yeah, and and Iowa was kind of the same way. Iowa was uh, was voting Democrat for a long time, but they flipped. You know, uh, and then of course the day after the election, all of my Iowa friends that are Democrats went full cat five and like were like uh, totally angry and like putting all this stuff on there. People seem to have calmed down mostly, but. Um, well, I think I think the I think a lot of the a lot of the people that were fringe uninformed voters that basically weren't weren't really I mean they just vote Democrat because they think it's the right thing to do but they don't really know I mean I can't tell you how many people that I know that are like that hmm. they they look at the they look at the two parties and they say well you know the Democrats are for the working class and the Republicans are for the rich hmm. well guess what. Um, Someone's What's here. Uh, guess what? Some uh, the the Democrat, you know, and so they just vote. They don't even look. They just vote. <laughs> well, I'm going to vote all Democrat. Bang, and I'm done. You know, and then and then they hang on a second. So Jim has to go deal with that. Oh uh, yeah, I got to go. I got to go deal with this. Okay. Um, let me uh, uh, let me let you go, and okay. um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'll come back after a bit if you're still on. Uh, oh, all right. Well, I'll just uh, I'll just go through some more uh, knife news stuff. 
Okay. All right. Knives in the news. All right. Talk to you. Yeah. Mute your mic. I'm gonna mute you. All right. Bye. Quick. Yeah. Um, but don't don't close. Ah, oh, he left. Oh, that was dumb. Okay. Um, let's look at some knives in the news. Uh, give me a minute here. Let's see what we got. Knives. Google Images. That's not what I want. Uh, let me share my window. What do you guys want in chat? Uh, you guys got anything uh, you want me to cover or whatever? I'll watch. Meanwhile, I'm going to go. Uh, I think I saw one on here. Yeah, this one. So, Devin. Um, Police in Devon offer amnesty on knives, uh, published yesterday, Bastille Day. So they're offering knives, uh, amnesty on knives, allowing people to dispose of them, no questions asked. Devon and Cornwall uh, police members of, say members of the public can dispose of unwanted bladed items without fear of prosecution, such as knives, zombie knives, <laughs> zombie knives, uh, Swords, kitchen knives, and unwanted collectibles. Why, why would kitchen knives be illegal? Hmm. Um, they've got some collection bins. So our English listeners, uh, if you're in Devon and you want to get rid of your sweet uh, Chris Reeves uh, Sabenza, don't bring it to that bin. Just mail it to me, and I won't ask any questions. And um, I certainly won't prosecute you for mailing me that sweet knife. Uh, let's see. Let me find another one. Hmm. Most stuff seems to be about the Texas open carrying of swords. Ooh. Uh, here's one. Uh. All right. From Fox News World, search of Mexican prison uh, where 28 died turns up knives. Um, so 28 inmates were killed last week uh, during fighting among rival gang members, and knives and shanks were show, showed up, but no guns or drugs. Um, in uh, If you guys go to, um, let me see if I can find it, Smoky Mountain Knife Works, has a really neat uh, display of like knives made in prison. Let me see if I can find a image of that. Uh, let's see. Knives made in prison. <laughs> That's a long shot. But anyway, there's a display in the Smoky Mountain Knife Works. Yeah, it's the, it's probably this one. Um. Ooh, look at that beautiful. Ooh, that's on a bad website. I'm not going to click on that. Uh, American prison-made weapons. Um, anyway, this is this is kind of what um, the the display at Smoky Mountain Knife Work uh, Knife Works um, looks like. So it looks like they're just finding any piece of metal and putting whatever they can for a handle on it. This one here looks like a screwdriver or something. Um, 
the image is too small. Wow, somebody went to the trouble of making a throwing knife. That's bizarre. And then half of a scissors, obviously the classic screwdriver. Somebody made like a makeshift like Japanese handle uh, wrapped. That's pretty cool. Look at that teeny tiny one though. That's like half the size of a uh, thing of scissors. How would you make that? And it's guarded. Wow. And then, of course, any old sharp thing will do. Yep. So, anyway, this is that's not made in prison, obviously. Um, but, oh, look at this, a ruler. So they took a ruler and uh, kind of shaved the end off, probably ground it against uh, um, whatever. And what's that? What is that thing? Um, I can't tell. But here's one made of wood. I wonder if that would work. Must be some pretty stout, stiff wood. Uh, anyway, there's a display at Smoky Mountain Knife Works of these things. I wonder if this is it. No, that's not it. Um, but they show all kinds of stuff that were made. Um, made there. So it looks like you just find any piece of metal and grind it against the concrete or whatever um, until it uh, turns into something useful and then put any old kind of a handle. It looks like most of these are tape or cloth or something like that. Um, speaking of which, um, I want to show you um, this uh, Fairburn Sykes agent knife. Or agent's dagger is the other, other term it goes by. So this is actually kind of cool. They have um, a whole bunch of different examples on this one page, uh, com. Anyway, this agent's dagger, if you look at it, it's got, um, this one's just more like one of those prison shank looking things um, with some sort of a wrapped metal handle. Now this is cool. This is like a little lapel dagger. Like so in the lapel of your sport coat or whatever, um, you can hide it in there. And then, you know, they had a bunch of different examples. Again, that one's more of a spike than anything. Um, that would be used uh, for pithing, would be my guess. Um, and that is accomplished by, uh, there's, a, there's a hole at the back of your skull where your spinal cord um, enters the brain and connects to the brain and a little narrow thing like that um, wielded by somebody who knows what they're doing um, would uh, would pretty instantly cause um, some major derangement anyway this one is um, this one is brass um, I think that's kind of neat maybe they did it for uh, metal detectors I don't know maybe I'm wrong um, but then, you, you know, you get into all kinds of different designs for what was an agent's dagger. And what I modeled mine after was this one here on the left. And then with the tang and all that, um, I pretty much made something similar to this. Um, or this one here. Um, or that one there. Um, if I had a lathe, I could have made that handle a lot easier than the method that I chose to do and then there's all of these ones um pretty neat 
a uh, little piece of history there. I wonder how many of them were actually used by like agents, though. Everybody says they're an agent, but if they're telling you that, they're probably not. Hmm. Well, I'm not sure if Jim is going to come back or not. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to call an end to this particular live stream. Uh, it kind of sucks that our friend Patrick Ma didn't show up, so we're going to have to um, re, re, uh, redo that uh, in the near future here. So one more question was, uh, do you guys watch Forged in Fire on the History Channel? He says I, he knows I don't watch TV, but he thinks I'd love it. And actually, that's probably one of the most common questions I get. I, because I don't watch TV, I've actually never seen an episode of it. Uh, I think one time there was like a commercial on a U for it on a YouTube video that I was watching and it looked okay, but I didn't. I just haven't made the time to, to watch it. I think Jim does though. Um, but anyway, uh, he's experiencing technical difficulties with his dog and a visitor, so I'm going to call an end to this and hopefully we will be able to get uh, Patrick Ma on in the near future. And hopefully it was entertaining enough without him. So uh, until next time. Oh, one more question. Oh, he says stay, stay sharp. Uh, so uh, I'm going to give you Jim's line. Keep your knives sharp and your friends sharper. And bye. Take it out. Baby, take it all, all. I want you the way you came into the world. I don't want to feel no pain. I don't want to see no panic. So, uh, surprise, surprise, this is the uh, Knife Journal Podcast After Dark, and uh, we don't want to forget about our massive, extraordinary YouTube and uh, iTunes audiences. Obviously, we started on iTunes, so this is an iTunes-only portion of this podcast. Uh, we mentioned the channel where you could find it earlier, and I'm going to put it in the show notes. So if you want to see the visuals of it, you can you can watch that. Um, but if you want the after dark kind of content, <laughs> you have to come to our special after hours club, which uh, occurs after the uh, regular podcast. And you're you're here now if you're hearing this. So. Yep. And so you. And also we are. We might be a little more raw. Yeah. Than so normal. So. Honestly, if you don't want to hear, like, After Dark content, <laughs> I'm going to play some sexy music underneath us. So if you don't want to hear After Dark content, then you just best go away. So kick back. Light up your favorite cigar. Okay, so describe this scene here, right? Okay, okay so I'm we're... Gonna, I'm going to get close to the microphone when this happens, and you, you tell what's happening. Okay, so we are uh, lighting up cigars. Hmm, hmm. Mm -hmm. And we are uh, uncorking a bottle. 
And we are pouring a drink of some Glenlivet 12-year-old. We're lowering ourselves to Glenlivet 12-year-old. <laughs> Honestly, like uh, that's that's pretty highbrow for yeah. me, but. I, <laughs> We're we're trying to act like gentlemen here, like we've done this before. Actually, right? speaking of which, um, yes, and I've never done this before, ever. Never, never. Um, I would never do this. I would actually like to, and I'm, I'm actually, for anybody that wants to know, I am peeling my gun Oh, you got to tell us what the gun is. I have that exact holster, and I probably carry that exact gun. It's a Smith & Wesson J-frame. Yep, but I cut the, I cut the uh, handle down. Yeah, and then sure. you've got different uh, scales. scales. Yeah. So tell us about the scales on it. Oh, they're just micarta. Just maroon yeah. micarta that who I... Did, who did the scales for you? I did. I just oh, freaking... Very nice. I just put maroon micarta scales on it, and I and I rounded them off a little bit. I made it a I little bit that. lighter then, yeah. Yeah, because uh, the thing is, is around the ankle, um, I have the exact same setup yep. you do, and Titanium. we arrived... Yeah, we arrived at this independently. Yep. And around the ankle, you still notice it at... at yeah. As a as a J frame, yeah. I think I think mine's it, titanium. It's lighter. I think I have the aluminum, aluminum. model, um, but uh, I like mine a lot, and that's one of my go to guns. But I don't like necessarily around the ankle. Mm. Um, it gives you a little bit more. You have to be a little bit even another level of awareness. You have to be watching stuff out way before. Right. If you if you're going to deploy it. It's it's seriously you need to really figure out how you're gonna do it. Well isn't isn't that carry method meant to be like a backup to your real one? Right, right. Okay. But what what ends up happening is most of the time um you have something like that on and if you're you're in a public place where if there happens to be a disturbance, you have to be able to get into a position that you can deploy that and utilize it. Yeah. Um it might be meant just to sit in the corner and cower and wait till somebody comes and approaches you. Yeah. Or, you know, you you put yourself in a position where you're going after somebody. You're behind a car tire or something yeah. like that. Yeah. You, you've got some shelter and yep. nobody knows you're there. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so Jim was talking earlier. He wants a Colt commander. And yeah. Sitting over in the officer. trunk of that car, right? Uh, Colt officers. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, over sitting in the trunk of my car there is the Kimber version of that. And I like it. It's still really heavy. And what I want Jim to do, and you guys have to write us and tell us all about it, is I think he should try the Glock 43. And you've actually yeah, shot it. I have shot it before. You actually, I think and you I, may have fired that. It. You may have fired my gun before I ever yeah, fired a round out so. of it. I might have. Yeah, and, but, and, and I like it. And I don't. And I don't dislike it. I mean, that's that's not. Uh, you know that. You know, I have had a, a completely different opinion on Glocks over all these years, and, and you got to understand that I've been carrying a gun for before Glocks. Yeah, <laughs> I was PG. Like, <laughs> like, like back when you were, um, like back when you were like all young and hot and had all oh, yeah. this hair yeah, yeah. and like yep. big yep. muscles and yep. jumping fences and all this. Exactly. Like Mel Gibson was on like uh, that one movie oh. with Danny Glover. Yes. And well, so you probably had that. a Beretta ninety two. Right? Even before that. Right. Right. No. No. Okay. I still. I no. Like Magnum PI era. Yeah. Right? I always yeah. seriously. I've always carried a nineteen eleven. That was yeah. always my go to gun, and it's been. And and I still have a. I even like the. Like a SIG, that little SIG 380 that looks like a 1911. Yeah. 
And Beretta makes a couple little tiny ones that are kind of yep. fashioned yep. a little bit after it yep. that I like. And, and so I do have this warm spot in my heart for a 1911. Um, but you're right. it's They're heavy. You know, my, my full-size 1911, which I carried concealed literally for 20 years. Right. I mean, that was, and it didn't matter if I was in shorts and a t-shirt or I used a um, Milt Sparks. Now, back when Jim was wearing shorts and a t-shirt, they were the 80s ones oh, that yeah, were yeah. like they blue were the, with white piping. Oh, yeah. If you want to see and how I used to dress. they were very high. If very you want to see high. how I dressed, tune in to an episode of Magnum P.I. There you go. He'd have like a, he'd have like this red Hawaiian t-shirt yep. with the white flowers. Yep. Uh, and it was flowers. short shorts. We wore short very shorts Very fucking short. Yep. And hairy, full hairy legs. Yep. Well, I still have hairy legs. I don't well, shave my legs anymore. Yeah. No. Who does that? Even Lance Armstrong. Okay, so to all my biker friends, right? One of my friends is like this big competitive biker. We're talking biker. pedally bikes. Yeah, pedally bikes, right? My my friend is like, you got to shave your legs in case you wipe out. And I'm like, oh, shut up. And he's like, well, if you don't shave your legs, then bugs get in your hair. I'm like, die, whore. And he says, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm on fire tonight because Jim reminded me of something, and I'm really sorry. I'm just, I'm all amped up. Come here. I'm all on fire. And uh, you're going to get a, this is truly the after hours, <laughs> knife journal after dark experience. And you will only ever have this on the uh, after iTunes hours version. Yeah. yeah. So um, anyway, uh, <laughs> so I got this friend that's like this big time competitive biker. And he's like one, one class away from like Tour de France level professional. And I heard this interview on Howard Stern like a couple weeks ago with Lance Armstrong. And, it, and, and Howard says... Uh, so, do you shave your legs like a woman? He's like, hell no, I don't shave my legs. Wear, Why would I do that? And you're tights. talking about Lance Armstrong! You wear tights. It's Lance Armstrong doesn't shave, shave his legs. Yeah. Why, why, why would a guy ever do that? I think it's because they want to. Right, because it's, always it, believed, it, it lets people know that they're a biker. Yeah, I've always believed that that's a lot of that case. I remember when I was swimming in high school. You know, it was a big deal. Everybody was like, oh, shave your legs. I was like, no. I said, I, I'm... A, I said, I can swim really well underwater. I said, but I'm not very competitive on the surface. I said, I sink like a rock. Yeah, you're a rockfish. Yep, yep, yeah. I go right to the bottom. And uh, so I'm like, I'm not shaving my legs for that shit. I said, I barely can make it across the pool on the surface. I said, the shaving hair off my legs is not going to make me go any faster. Right, right. Okay. Fact, if anything, it keeps me more afloat. <laughs> so let's, let's role play. Now, you're Jim Noka, and I'm a young uh, pajama boy. <laughs> And I want to be a competitive bicycler, okay? So now... Um, You'd be perfect for it. Right. Because, be, because you're a pajama boy. You have no testicles. To <laughs> there you go. And I have, like, footy pajamas. I'm actually on this porch wearing footy pajamas right now, people. Right now. You, you have no testicles. Yeah, exactly. And so you're a perfect bicycler. Yeah. You know, well, bicycler. eventually that stuff breaks down. Oh, sure it does. Well, anyway. Sure so, it does, because they wear those tights, so, and it holds everything together, and then they smash them on the seat. Yeah, I know. And the seats are, like, rock hard. And, you know... I, I don't, you know, I got a, I got a funny story to tell you. Okay, let's I, hear it. I literally told my kids this. So I got, everybody knows I got two boys. My oldest one is, and they listen. My oldest one is like 33 now. My youngest one is like 30. I guess he just turned 30. Right. So when they were younger, they were all under the boxer shorts. Just that was their big thing, the boxer shorts. And I, still wear them. I was like, Dude, what? I, I either wear boxer shorts or nothing. Yeah, I wear I wear boxer shorts under protest. Maybe this will be un, maybe this will be apropos. But that's where that's when I wear when I wear 
boxer shorts is because I have to go to the hospital and change in the locker room. <laughs> so <laughs> they don't want to see my you're gonna laugh. You're gonna my laugh. equipment or you're whatever. Gonna laugh. Anyway, go ahead. So I'm talking. My kids are like twelve and eight. You know, so my oldest, I was like, Jimmy, what are you wearing boxer shorts for? And he, he's like, oh, I like them. He says, it's cool. You know, he says, like, everything breathes. I was like, you know, when you grow up here, they're going to start swinging around and slapping your legs. And I said, and you're not going to be happy. You're going to start wearing whitey tighties at that point in time. You'll you'll know when you grow up and your balls start slapping the side of your legs. And you will not wear boxer shorts anymore. And if you contact either one of them. Today, they'll tell you that they do not wear boxer shorts anymore. Yeah. Well, I, I still wear them, but when I run, I'm a runner, uh, I wear a, a special pair of running shorts that has, like, the built-in support and stuff. Um, and and I, wear, I wear boxers under protest. Yeah. Anyway. Well, it's funny because if you, you know, you got, um, I don't, I think the... I don't even know if kids wear boxer shorts much anymore, do they? I don't know. They I wear always the thought Under they were Armour boxers. The, the Under Armour boxers are really comfortable. Well, yeah, but those are like... Uh, I have a pair of them now because I did surgery and I had to change in the and locker I, I wear that's I wear those yeah. now. I wear like the... They're like uh, they're like tight tight boxer shorts. Yeah, but they make they, but they make the tight ones and they make ones that are a little, little looser. I like the looser ones. No. I don't like the tight ones because I feel squashed. Yeah. Yeah, I need support. After about a day and a half of wearing them and washing them, you know, I mean, I don't wear them more than one day, but after you wash them one time, uh, you know, they need to be, they need to hold things together. Okay. And I like that. I understand. I don't like to be flopping and swinging around in the breeze. I understand. So now I'm, I'm going to do a, a scene from if uh, Pajama Boy uh, walked up to... Uh, Vito Corleone and asked what to do about his legs. Okay, so Pajama Boy walks up and he's like, Oh, Godfather. <coughs> and he wouldn't cough because he would never be smoking his cigar and drinking his scotch. <laughs> he goes, Oh, Godfather, I just don't know what to do. I have a bicycle race and I'm worried that I'll wipe out and I'll get some dirt on my leg if I don't shave my legs. And Godfather says, You can act like a man! <laughs> Uh, Jim had to run inside. I think he had to go <laughs> take a leak or whatever. Uh, so then um, uh, the other thing I'm going to quick say, and I told Jim this earlier, so he's in on this, is that one of my friends, uh, Robert Young Pelton, posted this article today. And maybe I have it wrong. Maybe he didn't post it. Maybe somebody else on my friend's feed posted it. But I think it was RYP. And it, it was... Uh, Five decades of research into spanking uh, has confirmed that spanking produces the same results as abused children. So I posted a comment. And I posted, I posted like five words, and this is what I posted. I said, uh, "If two decades of no spanking produces pajama boy, I'll take the spanking." And then everybody just, everybody went full cat five. Now Jim is breaking out some black cat. Fireworks well, I was here. gonna, I was gonna do some sound effects to your Vito Corleone. You can act yeah. like a man. <laughs> yeah, and I would say, um, what's that? What's that kid's? What was the guy's name that that ended up getting Fredo. a garrot? No, a garrot around his neck. Uh, that's um, uh, um, the guy in the front seat. 
Um, no, 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 no. The guy that the guy that was Godfather's muscle. Uh, Luke Luke Brazzi, Luke Brazzi. But no, there was another guy. He was in yeah, the no, front no, seat. I, and Luca he goes, was the uh, guy I was thinking about. The the one guy gets out of the car and he says, uh, "Leave the gun. Take the cannolis." Yeah, take the cannoli. Yeah. No, I would say um, to Pajama Boy, what what Vito would say to him would be. You are not fit for this world. Come Luca. into the back room and yeah. I'll help Luca, you. Luca, <laughs> show him where the fish is asleep. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And, and it here it be. comes. Oh, watch out. Jesus, those are loud. <laughs> and that's what it would be. That's yeah. what it would be. Hey, i got to borrow one of those. I'm going to make a video on just one. As all, well, two maybe. Maybe three. Anyway, I'm... <laughs> So I was a uh, I was a uh, chemistry minor in in college, and the only reason I minored in chemistry is that I was fascinated with fireworks, and I was able through four years of study to figure everything out. So I'm going to make a video uh, coming in the future: how do fireworks work? And I'm going to explain everything. Um, let's see. Uh, so so we talked about uh, about. Uh, Shaving legs, and we were moving on to another topic. What was it? Oh, let's talk about why Patrick Ma didn't show up. Oh, and it's it's the, nobody's fault. <laughs> and, and honestly, people have busy and lives. Trust me, if you know him, you'd love him. You'll love him. Yeah. Uh, Patrick is a, is a great guy, and uh, he had a he had a thing that he had to go do. Um, with his kids, he's a very he's right. very family kids, oriented. Kids trump anything. Yeah, he's very family concerned. oriented. But what he didn't realize was his his appointment was, I think, one o'clock or noon, his time, which is California time, and I was saying eleven o'clock our time, which is Eastern time, which yeah. is like four hours ahead of his time. Yeah. And so that's why I thought it wasn't going to interfere with anything. And then apparently he wakes up sometimes at, you know, like well, one, a, one or two o'clock our time. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> I just I, I mean, this is a man. Yeah. And it's a weekend. And, and so a, it was a weekend. We're, so we're going to get it rescheduled. It's no yeah, big deal. He, he really wants to. He What was comical was, see, him and I go back. We go back 20 years. And... Um, so we were going to talk about a lot of the newcomers to the to the industry and to the business that don't realize how far we go back. Um, you know, twenty five years, thirty years. Yeah. I mean, that's a long time. That's back in the day when there was no. Uh, it's back when I would was reading like Soldier of Fortune and geeking out about. Right, and like, we were uh, living it. Yeah, <laughs> you guys were doing it, and I was like a twelve year old watching Rambo and lusting after a Jimmy Lyle. Yeah, exactly. All this, you know. And I still lust after it, but that's the one thing that I'm withholding from myself. I'm withholding that from me. Well, did you see first blood Jimmy Lyle? Did you see the Did you see the uh, the ones I got? The Martin knife ones I got. They're very good. They're They're nice. I really do like them. And you know what? I'm not afraid to use them and carry them and have fun with them. Right. And 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 this is This is one of the reasons why I'm not. I'm holding. I know what I want. I want a Jimmy Lyle first blood knife. That's what I want. And I know that after I get it, there's not going to be anything else to want, so I'm saving it back. I'm saving it back. If I if I'm diagnosed with pancreatic cancer or something, you'll run out and get one. I'm going to get one. 
because that because then I know that I'm not going to want. Well, any you other could knives. you could do surgery on yourself with one of those. If I put the right edge on it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. Uh, um, so uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. What else were we talking about? So we talked about why he didn't show up. Uh, tell us about the cigars tonight. Oh, um, actually, these are a friend of mine's. <laughs> That left them in my in my humidor a while back. Mm. Um, and they're like a torpedo shape. Yeah, they're a torpedo. I think they're like a fifty ring size. Yeah, this is probably fifty four. I would say. And I and I'm thinking that he he came up here and he left them in my in my he left actually like ten of them in my humidor. Yeah, these are the last two. <laughs> mm. I keep telling them, and it's literally good. it's been over. It's been like they've been in my humidor for four years, and I think it's. I think I was really good at saving at least the last two of them until now. Right. Well, and now on, he's come on, fam. <laughs> like, <laughs> how long do you? Th- I, I, at some point, I got to start it's charge like, a storage fee, and, and this is the fee. It's like I got to put. I got to put water in this thing every other week. Yeah, there's a. There's <laughs> it a takes a lot fee. of work, you know. Fam, there's such a thing as a storage fee. You got to rent that space, or I'm going to smoke that cigar. <laughs> okay, speaking of all of this stuff. Um, I did a live stream on the regular Average Iowa Guy channel last night and um, basically just took user questions, and it was awesome. I had people from Germany and from the U.K. and from all over the world on there asking me what kind of videos I wanted to... Uh, well, ask. I was asking them what kind of videos they wanted me to do, and it was either knife-related or food-related and some South America stuff, so... Um, but the other message I got very clearly from all of that and that I've been getting in the last uh, great while here is that they want us to have another Great Lakes Island bug out. And so uh, I can't promise you anything, but I'm, but I'm telling you that Jim and I are working on it. And uh, Yeah, we definitely need to do it. Hopefully, and, and hopefully Monday or, or Tuesday, um, Jim and I will put our heads together and try to figure out... Uh, What's up with that? Because it kind of depends on when I'm on call. I would like to do it either in late August or September sometime, even even into early October. So I'll give you all the weekends when and I'm I tell not you, on call. That is a great place to go in October. That's, I've been, yeah, I've that's the on time that to go. In October it was excellent. Yeah, it's gorgeous. There's no bugs. You don't deal with all this stuff. It gets nice and cool at night. You can cuddle up in your sleeping bag. There's no monkey business. Um, yeah, it's it's nice. And and uh, so also just know also that we're thinking about bike, it. a bike trip. I really want to take a bedroll bike trip. Take your bedroll bike trip down to my house <laughs> and then drive back here <laughs> and tell me how much you get beat up on the way there. Oh, I, I've been riding a lot. I've been riding seriously. I've been riding a lot. I uh, last weekend I think Kathy and I. Well, Kathy was sore because she. Uh, you know, we did two hours straight without stopping, and that's a lot. And for for her, I was fine. Well, for you, that's a lot. Seriously, that will wear on. If it's if there's any wind at all, that what's saving you right now is that you have a fly screen on that. Bike. You think that that makes that much difference? It does because <laughs> I have your bike without the fly screen. See, I was actually thinking about for, and I don't know. It sounds kind of lame. I, I mean, I, and don't get me wrong. If you've seen pictures of my, I love my bike. It's, I got that paint job on it. I get comments on it everywhere I go. Yeah. I mean, and that's no shit. It doesn't matter who 
or what they're riding, it's tight. They'll come up and they'll look at it and go, "Man, that is really, really a good-looking ride." Right. And so, I don't want to wreck that look by putting a freaking windscreen on it. Don't. <laughs> Honestly, don't. Just just take your beating and then just but recognize the limitations of that bike. And if you want to take a long trip, rent a bike that's meant to do that. But you know what I don't mind doing is I, I have a couple of nice leather jackets that have vents. They're ventilated pretty well. And they do seem to be uh, not as bad as what you might think they are. When you stop, you get hot. But yeah. uh, but riding, you don't seem to get hot. You seem to, to cool off quite nicely. And I know I cannot wear uh, a, a dome helmet or anything like that because I, everything, everything that's coming over the... Handlebars is hitting you right in the face. Yeah, you have to wear a full face or at least a visor. Yeah, because on. you have no, you have no protection from any of that, any bugs at all. Um, yeah. I did. A, I've got a dome helmet with a with a um, a small screen on the front, and I that I wore, and it's it wasn't fun. Actually, no. it was not fun at all. And I've got a um, I've got a bell bullet uh, full face, and uh, and I, I really do like it. It's real comfortable and. And uh, you know, I don't know. It's I, I, I don't, I don't wear it so much from protection from falling. I don't think as yeah. much as it is from protection from freaking flying debris. Yeah, well, because <laughs> last year you follow a stone truck or you follow a sand yeah. truck. Yeah, well, no, even a car. Lesson. So like last night, I was uh, driving around on the peninsula on my motorcycle, and like uh, I have I have two helmets. I have one that's a full face with the flip up. Yep. Where the bottom part, the face guard flips up and then I have another one that's a that's a uh, half but then it has a fold down visor and I always fold down the visor when I'm at highway speeds well so I had this going and I was like probably a uh, hundred feet behind a, a car and they were kicking up teeny tiny little rocks that were hitting me in the mm-hmm. face and then if you get hit with a bug it's lights out man. Yep. Um, but uh, Anyway, so motorcycle stuff. I will say that I have four different motorcycle jackets. I have one for summer that's uh, Johnny Rocket's uh, motorcycle jacket that's black, but it's mesh, so it breathes really well, but it still has the padding in the right spots where you're going to need it. Uh, then I have a, uh, a Steve McQueen Triumph edition, limited edition Steve McQueen Triumph jacket. Nice. That's I've shown you. It's really sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, that's uh, more for fall, but it's fully padded and it does everything you want it to do in a motorcycle jacket. Then I have uh, a really heavy leather jacket that I use in late fall. And then I have a, another thinner leather jacket like the 50s greaser one mm-hmm. that I use in early spring. So eventually, as you as you progress, I think you'll you'll find a bunch of different uses for different gear and yeah, different situations. I've got... I, I've got uh one Triumph jacket that's got a liner that zips out and it's mesh above. And I, I like it a lot, but when it gets cool, you can't close the mesh off. And and you got to understand, where we live, it gets to be 44. Like two nights ago, it was 44 degrees. Yeah, and, and it's literally 85 during the day and it cools off. The 44 at night. Well, and 85 is a hot day. Most yeah, days it's, yeah, it's, it's like 70, 70, 75. Yeah, but it, but it cools down at night. Uh, and it may cool down quite a bit tonight, but like... Uh, it's already 20 degrees warmer than it was an hour ago. Yeah, 20 degrees yeah. cooler. Yeah, uh, sorry, right. cooler. And um, 
And so the sun dips down, and it, and it falls pretty quick. And if you ride around the lake, you get even cooler. Uh, so when you're so I've got this other jacket that in some ways I like it a little more. It's a little heavier leather. It doesn't have the um, the fiberglass pads in the shoulder and the elbows. Yeah. But it's got the vents on it are zippers, mm-hmm. so you can zip them shut. You get a lot of good airflow. Um, it's not real good for the heat of the day, for like yeah. eighty, for like an eighty degree day. But it's uh, it's good for like a seventy degree day, and then cooling off to like forty eight at night. Yeah. And you can zip those zippers up, and uh, and then of course in the fall and the spring you put the liner in it, and it doesn't matter, but. But I do like the I do like the Triumph jacket. I, that is, it fits yeah, me they nice. Do, and it's they do well on their clothing. Yeah. It's a little hard to find. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. What else are we up to? Um. Hmm. Well, we had a big discussion on YouTube stuff earlier. That was kind of you funny. Wanna, you want to delve into that? Yeah. Maybe just without mentioning names. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, uh, well, okay, so I, I addressed, I, I addressed, right. I'm just going to preface this by saying that I did address some of this in my live stream last night. Oh, did you? Uh, not, not YouTube drama, but forum drama. So this is a continuation of that. Okay, so um, about, I don't know, it must have been a week ago, I posted, made a post, I think I was on Facebook, and I said, uh, 100,000 YouTube subscribers does not make you right. And I knew exactly who he was talking about. <laughs> and uh, it only makes you think you're right. And I think that that's, the, that's the, the big misnomer about what's going on in this uh, in this day and age of YouTube, that we're watching people for some, other, some reason that we don't quite... I understand it. We talked about it's, this, it's like a, finish it, your point. It's like a... Um, I think they tend to be like a train wreck that you can't look away from it. Some of the, some of these people, and they come up with some really goofy things, and everybody everybody like loves it and shapes a market into into a realm of irrelevancy. <laughs> right. Okay. So I, I, I can't say it any so, any more any more uh, like gray than that. So let me. So I was talking to Jim about this, but here's my thoughts on this, right? There's there's a bunch of different kind of YouTube ones, but here's three common ones, right? Three YouTube channels. Uh, one is just some guy that puts up a video now and again of his kids, and then he shares it with his family, which is what mine started out as. Then there's another kind where you are making basically how-to instructions on how to do things or... If you have an experience-based video that you put up there, like, you know, look at this waterfall, it's an extraordinary thing. So that's more the category that mine evolved into. And then there's a third category where you have a personality, and you build a following based on your personality, right? And so what Jim is, it's very difficult to go with a YouTube channel like I have, which is more of a a technical-based, um, you know, information-based thing where I don't put a lot of my own personality into it 
to, and I have like over a little over 14,000 subscribers. It's very hard to take a channel like that and grow it into a million subscribers. Um, because most people that are on YouTube are not necessarily looking for, um, you know, an accurate description of how to do something right. They're looking for some guy that's got some flair and some drama and stuff. And I just don't have any interest in that. I don't give a fuck how many subscribers I have. I don't care. The only reason I'm making the channel is to put out information that I can refer back to myself because sometimes I forget how I did a tapered tang and I want to go back and watch my video on how I did it. Or uh, I'm putting it out there for my kids so that they can see uh, what their dad was like at a given age if they're ever interested in that and they probably won't ever be. So it's very difficult to go from that kind of a channel to a personality-based channel. If you have 100,000 subscribers or more, you're a personality-based channel, by and large. Now, there are some people that are that fall outside of that description, but, you know, very few people that have a YouTube account will ever have a 1,000 subscribers, let alone a 100. And 14,000 is actually, if you compare it to everyone that has a YouTube channel, it's a big channel, but if you compare them to the actual big channels, like PewDiePie, he's 55 million, I'm minuscule. Who's I'm a gnat. PewDiePie. He's this guy that I watch that plays games, and now he's political, but he's not political. He does it in a mocking way so that you can't necessarily pin him down. And the Wall Street Journal did a hit piece on him because he has more video views than every mainstream media YouTube channel combined wow. times like a thousand. Wow. Well, right. You know, so he's he's like the biggest. If you want to know who the big players in the media world are now, it's them. I well, I have more subscribers than my hometown newspaper did right. by like ten. Well, and that is that is kind of the interesting you, you thing know. because because I remember. I mean, I remember I was back in the day of the forums. Mm -hmm. I was pretty much on the cutting edge of all. Yeah, this stuff. definitely. And and at that time we were talking to the different media outlets trying to get them on board with us. And they were poo-pooing us like we had And Patrick Mawa will attest to this. They were talking. They were like, you guys are shit. You guys are nothing. You, you, you're you a legend in your own mind. And you know, we were saying, you know, I guess maybe you're right. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, this is something new, and it, and it is very active. We're seeing a lot of people hitting this. And it's, the internet isn't that big yet. I mean, we're talking about '95, you know, during back in that time. Yeah. And they were telling us, "You guys, it's a fad. It'll never go." I mean, I remember people saying, that "No one is ever going to put their credit card on the internet." Yada yada. Yeah. You know? Fuck and, off, yeah. dude. You have no insight as to what it, exactly. And back when I was that age, back when I discovered this, this was like '92. Mm -hmm. I'm like, "Oh my God, this is going to change everyone's what? life." And someday, if you don't have access to the internet, you're going to be like a caveman. Yeah. And, and that was in 92 when yeah, I said that. And yeah, people told me I was crazy If you don't have access... To, I mean, I, it's surprising to me when I run across somebody that doesn't have access or doesn't use the internet. And, I'm, you know, Rush Limbaugh said 10 years ago, the internet is the best... And the worst of mankind. It is. You and see everything. And it was. It was. That will be a quote that will live forever because it is truly the best and the worst of mankind, um, in one spot. 
But I, but back to the 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 media becoming irrelevant. Um, they made themselves irrelevant. They made themselves obsolete. Uh, I think I think cable has still got them on life support. But I do not believe that uh, that they're long for this world. The millennial generation is kind of interesting because what they're doing is they they just are not wanting to pay for anything. They literally don't want to pay for anything. Right, they want to. They, they want to. Well, they want to pay for. They don't mind paying for stuff if that if they want it. Right. They want to pay for stuff that they don't. They're not going to use. And so their their big deal is they want. They always want a menu. They always want. I mean, my kid is a classic example. My oldest boy's classic example of it. He has not had a cable channel, a cable TV in his house for ten years. Yeah, I'm the same way. No cable whatsoever. No TV whatsoever. He see anything that he wants to watch, he streams it on, on off the internet. Anything, it doesn't yeah, matter what it is, yeah, movies yeah, yeah. or I'm the, I'm the same way. You know, and uh, and they become very used to streaming it on their phones or on your iPad. Actually, yeah. most of the TV that I watch now is uh, for a half an hour right before I fall asleep with my wife off of my iPad. Yeah, I, I do not watch TV. It's yeah. a, we, you have to you have to. Tie me down to the couch to get me in there. What, what we're doing nowadays is, uh, I still watch the news. I still watch the news. I still, uh, here's some time Friday afternoon. Patrick, tomorrow afternoon. I, um, we'll have to, we'll have to get, um, tomorrow morning I'll let you know. Okay. Just tell them I'll let you know. If, if, if I can, I'll just stop back here and we'll have to figure out how to make it work. Maybe I should come to the office. The, we would have better. Yeah, yeah I don't there. know. We have better internet there. Just tell them. Um, if not, then um, maybe uh, maybe over the weekend. Okay. It, it may it may be hard because I'll be in clinic and stuff, and I don't know it's when. Four o'clock first... Eastern time. Just tell them. Um, just we, we will we will make every effort. I'm not sure it'll work. Um, anyway. So I I haven't had uh, cable I guess since uh, 2008. Yeah. So they and don't, even in, even in 2008 I hadn't watched it for the previous seven years. Right. So 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 millennials are I mean they're really they're turning out they're turning off cable they're turning off the networks they are turning off all of this stuff and they're getting all of their now. Is there a problem with this? Yes, there is, because they're getting all their information from the internet. Remember, yeah. it's the best and the worst of mankind. Yeah. So you, so you're either getting people that are so totally whacked with the information that they have because they're believing everything. I mean, how many times do you get a, you get it, one of those fake news stories that circulate on Facebook? Yeah, I saw one just today. It, it happens all the time, yeah. and somebody reads it and they're, oh my lord, this is happening right now and you're like, you know that's like four years old and it's been debunked it didn't happen you know and and they're like oh oh okay <laughs> right but, so so you have that going on but but the uh but the media was late to the ball game so that that's why they they're where they're at because um starting any of those channels you i mean you had to start four years ago to get like billions of. Well, you had to start longer than that. Yeah. My my first YouTube channel was in um, 2006, mm-hmm. 
And still today, if you search uh, Gino's East pizza recipe, uh, you're going to find my YouTube channel from 2006. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, I, some time went by, and I, I, I still have the, I still have control over that channel, but I, I don't, uh, I don't do anything there. I'm mostly on average Iowa guy, and this is when I started getting a little bit more serious about it, and. Um, it's hard for me to figure out when I started it, but I think I started it. Let me look at my videos. I'll tell you when my first video went up on this particular channel. Uh, load more. Um, well, it's not letting me look at it, but uh, I think I, I think I, my first video went up on this channel in like 2011. So I have like a six-year-old channel, and mine is a non-personality-based thing, and it's it's at like 14,000 subscribers. Um, uh, but uh, anyway, man, your dog has got to leave that neighbor dog alone. <laughs> wow, uh, how to make beef jerky came up on the live stream last night and it, it turns out I made a video four years ago on how to do that I completely forgot about it um, how do people find you on social media or oh you can I you can friend me on Facebook I'm usually pretty I, I usually you know unless you got some funky name with three friends uh, uh, and, and you, you look you like need a to Russian write, hooker. Yeah, you need to you need to write me a message and say, really, I am this hot. <laughs> <laughs> I am this hot, and I am really me. Uh, you can just send me a, a friend request, and and um, I'm on Instagram and I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm James underscore Noka on Twitter, I think, and or at James Noka. Something like that, anyways. You Google it. Now, how do they find the podcast? The podcast is on uh, Knife Journal Podcast. You can email us at uh, podcast at knifejournal.com. You go to Knife Journal and find us there. And you can find us on Facebook. There's a Facebook page, Knife Journal Facebook page. And uh, and then you can friend Kyle Versteg. No, 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 no. It, it doesn't work. Okay, so... <laughs> he doesn't I want have, your friendship. Well, no, I do. <laughs> if you're an actual listener, I want your friendship, but it may be hard for you to find me, and the reason is that I, I set it up so that it's actually very difficult to find me. Oh, way to go. Uh, and, the re- and so you basically have to be a friend of a friend of mine to even know that I exist on okay. Facebook. So friend me first, then you can find Kyle. Yeah, K-R... Versteg, yep. E-R space S-T-E-G. Um, and you can, on, friend, uh, you can friend Franklin whew, on YouTube. Franklin Stormy Noka. Yep. He is, he's got a Facebook page. And then uh, if you go on YouTube, and it's youtube.com forward slash average Iowa guy. Um, my other, the live stream page where we're posting our uh, podcasts right now is some goofy number. But if we can get to 100 subscribers, and the last time I checked, we were at 38. If we can get to 100 subscribers, then it can be AIG live streams or whatever you guys think it should be. Um, But in order to claim a a name that I can just tell you over the air, I have to have 100 subscribers because very few people ever get there. Uh, But I I think in the next few weeks, I'll probably bump up to there. I'm, I'm plugging it here and there, and hopefully the live stream channel will get bigger. Yeah, because um, that's after our bedtime for the for the love of God. 
Oh my it God! Is Eleven o'clock. Yeah, I, I I usually turn into a pumpkin at nine. Yeah, <laughs> that's the way I am too. Anyway, uh, Stormy's sitting here going, "What the hell is wrong with you? Why aren't you in bed? It's, it's like way late. Logs. This is way past your bedtime." Yeah. So um, so that's that's how you basically find us. I yeah, would say we're pretty I, easy to find. I haven't posted on Blade forums in a long time. I'm thinking about it's existent. It is. Um, people keep sending me links to various things, and, and maybe someday I will rejoin. I don't know. I I don't like forums in general on on general principle. Even Facebook groups and stuff. I I just I just don't do well on those. I'm a bad person, and so bad people don't do well on those forums. So, uh, but I gotta go to bed. It's yeah, past so, my bedtime. So I'm gonna turn into a pumpkin. So uh, I guess keep your knives sharp and your friends sharper. And until next time, Knife Journal After Dark, only available on the iTunes podcast. (laughs) Good night. Bye.